everybody, and welcome to episode 501. That's 501, like Levi's Classic oh. Jeans. This this show not brought to you by Levi's. Episode 501 of Video Game Apocalypse. I'm your host, Michael Rapars, coming to you from the Sarah V. Memorial <laughs> Studio of the Airwaves. If you want it to be the U Memorial Studio of the Airwaves, go to patreon.com slash laser time and join us at the $20 level. Who's joining me now? Mm-hmm. Wrangler Man, Chris Antista. Why the jeans? What Curse you. I, I don't know. It was something Dave suggested. And... It's V, Sarah, uh, Matthew Allen, and boy, I am glad I didn't suggest the top five genes in video games, because I almost did, because of the 501 thing. Yeah, so, yeah. Well, D- Dave did suggest it, and sorry to say we're not doing it. I did I did think about, Dave. like, oh, what could we do with that? Maybe G-E-N-E-S, the video game series where you play as a dynasty of people. No. We are getting into full-on Game of the Year shit month. And in order to pad this out for as long as possible so we can wrap up loose ends at work and do our holiday shopping, we are going to be doing a month of shows around Game of the Year stuff. We're not starting the actual Game of the Year stuff this week. We're going to no. start talking about... What, what is it? Um, I already forgot. Remasters <laughs> and remakes. We're on a roll. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we're we're phoning it in for the it's, month of December. What other yeah, podcasts yeah, do? It's a Weird. it's a bad day. Uh, coming off of a high from episode five hundred, and then not having to record well, it, it, a show it, for it, a week. It. Also, just to temper expectations, we will not be talking about the Game Awards on this week's show. We had to record before it happened, so we will get into that stuff next week. Now, now, see here. This is mostly because, let's be honest, you forbid remasters and remakes from being on the, yes. the game game of the year contention forbid, yes but it's nice to give them some recognition anyway especially you know when there are some really good ones mm-hmm. and this year there are some really good ones most of us played at least a couple of them and uh so i got you guys to to vote i think it was and not not to be doom and gloom but like this was the year we were really going to start feeling what COVID did to development, you know, mm-hmm. where we would were, yeah, we kind of received, I would think a little fewer. I think that's fair. Triple A, yeah, triple A stuff like big from big companies. We, we, we got a little bit less of that. We got, a, I, I feel like I played a ton of great smaller things, but like these remasters were kind of there to pick up the slack, you know, mm-hmm. uh, buffed, polished. Re uh, regifted um, beauty from uh, from gaming your and uh, it's worth celebrating, I believe. I mean, that's also just been a trend of the industry for the past decade or so in general. Like, uh, but I think one of the entries that's not on our list has been remade like twice on two generations in a row now, or something mm. like that, with The Last of Us Part One. But oh uh, uh, yeah, well that that's one that like you know we we looked at a bunch of these, and Last of Us Part One is a very impressive remake. But it's of a game that doesn't necessarily invite repeat playthroughs. Like, once you've seen that whole story, how badly do you want a second go? Um, yeah. Agreed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it's, it, I think I've said it before. Those games to me feel very much like they're like, hey, there's probably a bunch of people who never played those games. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so this is their chance to get yes. in and, and yeah. play the the best definitive version just in time for the HBO show. Yes, it is It is the best version of The Last of Us Part 1. But if you have played the last, the original Last of Us and you remember it well, you won't find a lot to 
really keep you invested, except that, like, hey, it's a better, better looking version of that thing I remember, which quickly becomes, this looks like how I remember it instead of how it is if I try to go back and play it. I know, it's just like, I, yeah. yeah, I had no nostalgia, I, I think, I, it was my timeline, I played the remastered version right before Last of Us 2 on a PS4 Pro, and it's just like, I don't know what significantly this is going to do for me. Hmm. If I ever do decide to replay this, it won't be right now. Yeah. For seventy dollars, well, you'll probably get it as part of like a PS Plus thing. You would think like there's that. a remastered category that's it's notably absent from, and one of those million awful PS Plus tiers. I'm pretty sure I'm going to cancel my subscription to. <laughs> All right. Yeah, sure. Well, Disney it's, Plus price is going up. You got to you got to cut somewhere, right? Yeah. yeah. It's also worth saying that um, you know we don't try we don't strive to be definitive in this list. We are not. GameSpot, we are not IGN, we are not the Game Awards, we're just three dudes with a podcast. We're better. And so so this is going to be about games that we've played and can recommend. So, for example, Tactics Ogre Reborn, I've heard nothing but good things. Uh, I have not gotten very far in that game. I'm sure it's great, but I don't know that I want to necessarily recommend it as like, yes, this is a must-play for you from me. Right. Sincerely, I mean that. I don't I don't know. I can't make that call. Yeah. No, I, I, I also own that game, and I didn't play the original, and so mm. I feel like I don't have a good basis of comparison. It's, to, to me, it's... I don't it's think like, it yeah. had quite as much uh, English voice acting. Which, speaking speaking yeah. for the developers of that game, it's all. an honor just to be mentioned yeah. on VGA. And they got it. You're welcome. <laughs> is it really though? It is. It is. So they're brought up in the conversation, and I can mm-hmm. I can tell everyone of me sending a gif of ogre from Revenge of the Nerds and putting the words tactics over his mouth. Yeah. And the three people <laughs> I, I sent it to, which are the only three people who would have gotten it, it it took everybody a couple minutes. Like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> tactics. I've never ogre. seen Revenge of the Nerds. <laughs> really? What? Yeah. He lived it. Probably for the best. He lived it. He didn't need to. Exactly. Exactly. Um, So, yeah, let's let's just jump into these, beginning with... Number five. I mean, these being our list, not your list. I apologize if a a remake or remaster you didn't love, or that you loved didn't get in here, but... Stop equivocating! No! Just... Dive, dive in. Don't tell me what to do. Where do you want to have people <laughs> casting aspersions on the great bounty hunter, Mad Dog? No, sir. Never let it be said he shot an unarmed man in cold blood. How many times we done danced this dance now? <laughs> it's almost like saying goodbye to a lover. Bard had it right. I know what this is. I know Parting what it is. is such I think sweet sorrow. You, did you say you know what it is? No. I, is this live alive? This, yes, this live alive or live a live, however it's pronounced. Yeah, everyone's uh, favorite uh, redneck orange beverage, five alive. <laughs> five alive. <laughs> uh, swerving you a little bit with that clearly Western sound clip because this game is. Unusual among JRPGs in that it jumps around in time with no clear connection between the eras that you're visiting. Each one, I think there's there's seven in all, little, these, these little short storylines set in different periods of history. There's one in prehistory, there's one in the Old West, there's one in the near future, uh, there's one in the far future... There's one during the Edo period in Japan where you get to play as a ninja and fight this medieval lord, this feudal guy. Filthy rats. 
creeping about my castle uninvited. It seems I'll have to deal with you myself. Do not underestimate me, for I, Lord Odeo, will not be brought low by vermin like you. Appreciate the appreciate ninja the, disco music. Appreciate the way of Lord getting who? around casting an Asian guy to do a Japanese voice. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Did he say his name was Odeo? Lord Dayo. Uh, well, it's Lord interesting Dayo. because after you play a couple of them, you start to recognize that is a common thread. That each of these storylines has a villain that is named some variation of Odeo. Uh, and in some storylines, it's like in the Western one, it's the last survivor of uh, Custer's last stand. And he's come and he's, he's a big bandit now. And he's got a Gatling gun. He's going to come after you. And in the prehistoric storyline, he's like an evil T-Rex. And in the near future storyline, he is a giant chicken god. And you have to top into a mech to fight him. Let's finish this, Matsu! God, demon, or whatever, you're going down! You cannot harm him! Oh, oh, Cast down this wicked child! Come on, Matthew. Let's do this. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Who can forget the Morris Day in the Time segment where you have to fight Jungle Love, O-D-O-D-O. Jesus Christ. I, <laughs> I knew it was coming and still didn't know exactly how it was coming out. Mm-hmm. But, eh, it was a bit sweaty. Yeah, sweaty. yeah, yeah. But I didn't, I didn't realize when I played this just how much of a remake this was because it has, you know, sprite-based graphics. It looks better than what the Super Nintendo could pull off, but not that much better. It's, you know, hmm. like Octopath tra- uh, Octopath Traveler. I, I keep wanting to call yes. it Octopus Troubler. Uh, <laughs> one no, of those that, that's games, a Metal Gear villain. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Octopus <laughs> Troubler. Uh, where, you know, 2D characters with, like, a 3D environment that's made to look 2D, that, that sort of yeah. aesthetic. Yeah, the, the Octopath Traveler aesthetic, yeah. like, they, they kind of own that. Right mm-hmm. So I, I thought it was just like, oh, it got a slight uprise, and then I looked at the original, which I'd never seen. It's like, oh, yeah, no, this is, like, way more simplistic visuals than than the remake has. Uh, so it, it got a, a full new coat of paint without losing that essential 16-bit flavor, uh, and, and it got full voice acting, and... Yeah, it, and, and it got an American release, which mm-hmm. the original never did, right? Like exactly. So yeah, this is this is the first brush that uh, most Americans will have had with Live Pretty Alive. Pretty bizarre, considering Alive. like I don't know, like I just saw a tweet today, like a, the original Wii was is as far away as the Super Nintendo was when the Wii came out. Mm. I was very steeped in games that were sought after RPGs from this period that. I don't really remember a ton of people clamoring for this thing. I really don't. And I just thought it was such a bizarre decision to, to, to like, A, release it, B, to give it this, like, pretty lavish treatment. Yeah, well, I mean, it's it's like a weirdo RPG from the era. It's like, imagine if Earthbound had never come out in the U.S. and had been largely ignored and, like, now was was just getting this, this big remake. Uh, mm. It's it's something on, on par with yeah. that, where it's like, yeah, Earthbound seems like a game we never should have gotten. But did this is a game we also probably never should have gotten, and it took decades to get here. So, what was its story? Wasn't it like a leader title on SNES or something? Is that why they didn't bring it over? Like, I think that, that might have been a big part of it. Yeah, yeah. or probably or sure. just 
impenetrably local impenetrable localization or something mm-hmm. like that mm-hmm. because this story is what I remember reading about and I think maybe that's why because it took the internet a long time to find some translation and somebody to start writing about it yeah I'm, I'm still pretty shocked that it exists. yeah I, I just remember when this got revealed it was like at a Nintendo direct and it you could really tell like who are the uber geeks like the people who recognize that game were thrilled and then the rest of us are like what what game is this yeah like, I just like oh I remember seeing ads for that in, like Japanese game magazines in the 90s I know nothing about it other than that star is a little caveman boy anyway but uh live a live or live alive the the we'll remake the remake is, is fantastic it's a lot of fun uh you can tackle the stories in any order so if you're just like you know i don't want to do this ancient china thing i just want to start with the cowboys you can do that and each one has a bit of a different battle system there's i think the present day one it's structured like street fighter with like a bunch of one-on-one tournament fights there there are others that have you know more of a wandering monster approach and uh they're all they're all pretty cool so it's a neat little esoteric gem, but uh, it is not quite as cool as what they did with number four. This is the story of a man named Stanley. Stanley worked for a company in a big building where he was employee number 427. Employee number 427's job was simple. He sat at his desk in room 427 and he pushed buttons on a keyboard. Orders came to him through a monitor at his desk, telling him what buttons to push, how long to push them, and in what order. Uh, this one might be a little bit of a cheat, uh, but you guys you guys can tell what it is based yes. on that, I guess. Yes, yes, it's a parable about yes. that man named Stanley. Stanley is a parable. Stanley Parable Ultra Deluxe, which is, at first blush... A just a remaster of the Stanley Parable, the the classic PC game that later came to other things, and and it's all about just you know challenging the idea of video game narrative and interactive narrative. That it's it's a game that you want to defy and just sort of go off the rails, but it's the way that it's built. It's it's already anticipated every possible move you can make, Very and will will meet it with with more story. It does and, feel like it feel like a magic trick in, in its it best does. moments. It does, mm-hmm. and obviously they can't do the same magic trick twice. So what they do instead, and I, this is where I, where I say it's a little bit of a cheat because this may be less a remaster and more of a sequel because it's yeah. got some new content. Stanley, I have to say, initial impressions of this game are not positive. It's just elevators and jumping. Is this what passes for exciting new content? If this is new content, then I could just read you the whole dictionary. There's 20 hours of new content right there. Hell, I could count to 30 trillion. You could put that on the box. The Stanley Parable Ultra Deluxe, now with over a thousand hours of new content. And if... Oh, wait. There's more. Very good. Yes. So spoilers after, you know, one or two playthroughs of the regular game, it starts, you know, pushing you toward like, oh, there's some, there's some new content. Let's go check it out. And I don't want to spoil too much, but the new content is very bare bones and disappointing. And that the narrator re- reflects this and is very disappointed by it. So he decides to create a shrine to the Stanley parable to the game itself within the game uh, where you can hear gems like this. 
And over here is where I keep reviews of the Stanley Parable. Like this stunning triumph of games journalism. 10 out of 10 from Destructoid.com. James Stephanie Sterling writes, and I quote, Where so many games that aspire to be more than games end up less than any form of art, Stanley Parable strives and then succeeds to be every game ever created. Did you hear that, Stanley? Every game ever created. That's how grand and all-encompassing the original Stanley Parable was. It was literally every game ever created. It was Skyrim. It was Persona 3. It was all of them. And now, it's nothing. It's no games at all. It isn't even the Stanley Parable anymore. It's just a husk now. A lifeless husk with an hour of new elevator content. And so the narrator keeps trying Spoken to like come a man up. who there's a new elevator action in arcades that I saw. So there, oh, sweet. the elevator genre is not dead. No, I have to give credit. That is the best in-game narrated impression impression of Stephanie Sterling I've ever heard. Mm-hmm. Like he changed his accent to match yes. Stephanie Sterling's accent. For that. that was pretty. <laughs> or yeah, pretty it's, good. it's a dime store Stephen Fry. <laughs> <laughs> They uh they really should have named this because like you said Michael it's like well they kind of snuck in new content it should have been called like Stanley's Fury or something mm. like the Stanley Parable plus Stanley's Fury because that's kind of what it's it was not, it's like it's a- not enough I, and again I have not played this at all but I like Stanley Parable was a game I really like enjoyed loading up drunk and just mm-hmm. like just do the opposite of everything you're told like do do the opposite of what you think you should do and it always rewarded me. It seems like an essential game for people who ha- really enjoyed the first Stanley Parable, and almost like you won't get as much out of it <laughs> if you haven't played the first one all the way through. Oh yeah, yeah, no, I, I for think, sure. but but you can yeah. play the first one all the way through within the confines of this one. Okay, it's it's all that content plus all this new content. Although yes, and, and you know maybe that's why it makes you play through at least you know one or two storylines, re- regular vanilla storylines before it starts easing in the new content because you won't appreciate it as much otherwise, and you you won't appreciate the silliness when it begins to escalate, and the uh, narrator keeps trying out n- new pieces of content to the point that it becomes calling it the Stanley Parable Two is just so much catchier than Ultra Deluxe, don't you think? Ultra Deluxe? What does it even mean? But the Stanley Parable 2, now that's an artistic statement right there. It's future-oriented. It screams progress and innovation and long-term franchising potential. So, yes, you get to go to a trade show that is showing off the Stanley Parable 2, but it's only showing off booths that showcase planned features for the Stanley Parable 2 that haven't yet been implemented. <laughs> so it's like, here's a button that will say the player's name, whatever the player's name is. Right now it only says Jim, but it'll say all the names soon. So the game that was a meta-narrative about game design became a meta-narrative about games coverage? And game publishing. And it's... and yeah, just <laughs> that sort of the showcase of like, look what's coming. It's not done yet, but we'll, it will be. You know what they really should have entitled this? And I'm not just thinking of this because a certain celebrity passed away this week. Uh, rest in peace to them. It could have, should have been the Stanley Parable, comma, T-O-O, too. Because it's mm. it's also the Stanley Parable, but there's more to it. Are we afraid of Much addressing like Kirstie Alley's death is, or just dating the show? I, I, I just, just, well, was trying to make a look who's talking to joke. And, a, you mm. know, can't I do got that. Look who's parabling now. 
I got it. Second best movie <laughs> to open up inside everything. a birth canal. <laughs> you not remember how those movies opened? It's like bizarre. They I put remember that much those movies. You see sperm. Yes, oh, yeah, you, you see do. sperm. Here's your sperm. Yep, here's a bunch here's of sperm. It's John Travolta's sperm. Well, no, it's not because he's the the guy who no. comes in to be the dad afterwards. He's Spoilers. the hero man. That's right. right. Yeah, it's yeah. the the pops from the '80s Adam Sandler show, The Goldbergs. There it's it is. George Siegel. Hmm. Yes, George Siegel. That's him. Jesus Christ. <laughs> the Goldbergs. Rest in peace. Rest in peace, George Siegel. I know, but I have to give you shit on behalf of Diana, who's not here. Yeah. <laughs> George George Siegel's work summed up with the guy from The Goldbergs. Fair enough. Ugh. And uh, look who's talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I love Stanley Parable. I love Stanley Parable Ultra Deluxe. Uh, feel free to disagree with us and imagine that we're talking about uh, Tactics Ogre instead in this spot. If you think that this doesn't count as a remake and is in fact a sequel. Which, That's a very Stanley Parable thing to do, Michael. You told them to yes. imagine something else. Yes, just just imagine, imagine this is something you do want in this category. Yes. <laughs> yes, we haven't implemented it yet, but uh, we have implemented... Number three! I got it. Oh, man. Yeah, I had to nominate this one because mm -hmm. I work on this game. So, yeah. <laughs> full disclosure. Yeah, full disclosure. Uh, this is Sonic Origins. Uh, but no, it, it really is, as a collection, it is a great way to play those original Sonic and Tails games from the Genesis. Like, it not only you know are the games there for you to play in all their glory, but I, I love the package that's wrapped in. I love, like, mm -hmm. you heard that little intro. I think there's, there's animations in inside this game that are, like, bespoke animations. Yep. There's, like, a museum section. There are challenge modes. I really got deep into the challenge, challenge modes. Challenge modes are amazing. Yeah, it, it's just, like, it, it's kind of like... Um, NES Remix. Yeah, it's like NES Remix, just, just in this little package where it's like, yeah, do this or, or, or uh, you know, beat this level without touching an enemy, that kind of thing. So it it's, gives you a... a reason to play through these games in a different way um so yes yeah, in, in terms Sonic of Origins. like cracking a game open and like doing different shit and like it the more i looked into it the more like oh that was these are all like amazing touches like it's all widescreen like it's not a, you're not playing a full right. screen game um yep. you can do a spin dash in the first game you can have tails in the second game you can do couch co like all the things you wish you could do in every Sonic game after the newest one comes out, and by newest one I mean Sonic CD, it's like you can do all that shit in this game. Play as all right. these different characters with different abilities. It's it's not NES Remix. It's just like, uh, what do you call it? Like a, a wish fulfillment for people mm. who grew up playing these games over and over again. And I think, yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's less impressive now, but back in the day if you'd said like, yeah, you can play Sonic 1 as tails yeah. like holy shit right. oh my mind's blown oh you can get knuckles in there oh my god amazing but, but i am i am like you know I, there were some complaints from people in their sonic fans and you know they make mountains out of molehills and uh, but tails didn't spawn correctly i'm like oh, there's some widescreen issues i guess and you all know the stuff about the music but i'm all for michael jackson not getting acknowledgement or money um uh, mm. It's the most significant re-release of these games that's ever been made. And it's I think that's super important because the Sonic games have, have had the luxury of being re-released a billion fucking times. And this justified, I think, more than justifies its existence. I played through all these in like three sittings. 
long sittings because I'd never played. Well, yeah, because oh. one of the modes you you can play through it all in one shot. You can just do like, yeah, I'm just going to go from game to game. You know, which I, I, I did of, that. You know, I do that every couple of years anyway. But like this game in particular enticed me to do so in a way that was a lot more interesting. And if you're that yeah. kind of Sonic fan, I can't recommend this game enough. Well, and just you know. Honestly, I had never gotten a chance to play Sonic CD before this collection, right? Like, I'd played the other Sonic games, the, but, like, mm. yeah, so this was, like, there was something new there for me as yeah. well. So it, it rounds them all up. And if you, if you jump into the challenge modes, you can, like, Sonic CD is a weird game. And, like, it, it's it's not as linear as the other ones. and It's got that time mechanic. Yeah, the challenge mode, like, will kind of teach you to do that in a way I think is a little better than the game does itself in-game. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, back hmm. back sixteen bit era, yeah. games just sort of expected you to figure it out, or there was an instruction yeah. manual that thirty two bit era. And Come and on. now, yeah, it, yes, 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 it, true. It does take advantage of the new hardware. In addition to playing it through the games as different characters, you also, like you said, there are bespoke new full motion animations uh, starring Sonic and pals, like this one. So this one's kind of neat. They're all wordless, but this begins with Tails being threatened by two bigger red foxes who start pulling on his tails. Sonic zooms by and knocks red them fox. out. And, oh, oh, sorry. And then, yeah, they, no, the comedian, like two of the comedian, they both <laughs> are pulling on Fox uh, Tails' tails. And, that's uh, orange. that's yeah. his origin story. Exactly. His his orange story. And Oranges. I like that. I see that. <laughs> yeah, he's an orange fox. Uh, so Tails starts running after and then flying after Sonic and discovering that he can move super fast by, you know, spinning his tails like a helicopter rotor. So it's it's a neat little, uh, hey, this is how they met and instantly became friends. And yes, yeah, right. sort of, Sonic stuck up for him yeah. from the bullies and told and, him, no, you're special because you have two tails. That, that's, uh -huh. yeah. And now tails won't ever leave him alone. And your name's a pun. From mm -hmm. now on, we're going to call you Miles Tails Prower. Yep, yep. Well, Miles, it's all pantomime. The fact that they can yeah. get all that across in pantomime is mm -hmm. amazing. Yeah, Miles Prower is his real name. Tails is his nickname. Yeah. Uh, and there's a whole yeah, a thing point. about that in that Sega book that I'm blanking on the name of. I have the what? Sonic Encyclopedia behind me. Jesus. God damn it. That was a meeting people walked out like hitting each other in the back and carrying themselves on their shoulders. <laughs> <laughs> it, this is I got like the deluxe edition of that book. It is a heavy tome. Oh, you're you're thinking of console wars. I'm thinking the, of the, console the, wars. Yeah, but yeah, uh, yeah. according to that the the surprise was that the it was the Japanese developers who wanted to name him Miles Prower and the Americans like no that's terrible. He should just be Tails. <laughs> so yeah, yeah they wanted to do the English yeah. pun, not the Americans. Japanese love puns. We know mm -hmm. this. this I guess, yeah, it's, it's but it's both. It's so it's so cool. God damn it! Thirty twenty ten spoiler. Watching a lot of Lord of the Rings, a bunch of people have two names. Being Tails and Miles Prower, it's like great. Hmm. It's it's yeah. it's like Baby Driver. I can't believe your real name is Miles. Uh, but of course, you know it has Sonic CD, which has a lavish full screen version. Of that ending with the only Sonic song that goes with an animation that anyone cares about. Sonic. 
I'm so I glad they were able to stop calling my phone during the show, Michael. That's my ringtone. <laughs> so good. So good. I'm, I'm glad that licensing issues didn't somehow force that out of the game. Because why would they? It was clearly made for the game. Where else no, are you going to sell that? Uh, Street Fighter game. That That's actually made oh, for yeah, Guile. Yeah, yeah, it's It's Guile's new theme. Because <laughs> nobody likes Guile's theme. We got a new one for it. <laughs> uh, that, yeah, Street Fighter. Did that get a direct remaster this year? Or am I just thinking no. of the Capcom Fighting Collection? Fighting Collection, uh, yeah. Which was also pretty good. Did and not make our list, in, but it was And it was on decent. the Capcom Arcade Stadium, one of those ah, versions, yes. I assure you, had a Street Fighter. Mm-hmm. I'm sure it did. Uh, well, I think it was included in the Capcom Arcade Collection, because I remember complaining, like, what, only Street Fighter 2? Like, just one Street Fighter game in all of this? Come on. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Let's move along to... Number 2. If you recognize that music, you're too old to be playing video games. Uh, <laughs> I heard some Konami drums in there. All mm-hmm. I know is those are Konami drums, mm-hmm. uh, which would make sense because this is the TMNT Kawabunga collection. The greatest. Kawabunga! There it is. Or because this has not just the arcade, but also the Super Nintendo and Genesis versions of these games. Kawabunga! Gross! God, it sounds like it's being screamed through soup. Yeah. <laughs> As I like to call this the game reason... the game that made me play uh, Fall of the Foot Clan for the first ah, time this I'm year. I'm so excited to play that again. And I also, I'm uh, well, 30, 20, 10 this week. Hyperstone Heist is 30, and I've never played it. And I haven't picked this can, up can yet. Can I spoil something for you? You kind of have. Because it's sort of like a remix version of Turtles in Time. That's fine. With I think some other stuff mixed in. That's 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 fine. And um, as I, I said for a long time, uh, the stuff that Digital Clips is doing, collections like this, I would like to see done for other properties. But it can't really be argued as far as single franchises go. Like the run that Ninja Turtles had in games in the uh, 80s to mid mid 90s is pretty fucking stellar like i want a batman collection years, like this like yeah. you're going to get a lot of garbage none of this is really garbage it's all like pretty a to b tier on every platform it was on and it's all available here with added shit online modes rewinds behind the scenes god damn it's really cool and the reason there's so many games cuz yeah it, it, this this collection covers a span of literally 5 years it's like 89 to 94 yeah wow but it's like chris said it's it's because of all the different platforms so there's NES versions cuz like the NES was still sort of going strong at that point not everyone had, mm. had converted to the super NES then, then there's the Genesis version which had to be slightly different then there's the arcade games there's the Game Boy games so there's like a lot of slightly changed versionings of game plus not to mention i think there's also japanese versions of almost all of the games in this collection like there are a lot of them yeah i think so but yeah it has the original arcade game the arcade version and the nes version you have turtles in time arcade you have turtles in time super nintendo and i think the tournament fighters for nes might have been the only like street fighter style one-on-one fighting game for nes at least that i'm aware of shit it would have other been other so than late. like yeah, yeah. a mode in Karnov or hmm. Karate Karate Champ or some shit like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And but like with the special moves post Street Fighter Two, I think that you know. Yeah, because I know I played what 
There has to be bootleg versions of Mortal Kombat and Street Fighter on. Oh NES. yeah, no, there are. I'm sure there are. Yeah. But. I I again completely missed tournament fighters. I did not know these were games until I got this collection. I'm like, really? wait, there's a fighting game here? Oh yeah, that yeah. oh, was kind of a big it's hilarious. Deal. I remember like talking with, I think it was like Seth Killian tweeted something like, uh, like there has to be like pro level TMNT tournament fighters, and sure enough, we found them. Of course, uh, yes, there are. Yes, there mm-hmm. are. Yeah, uh, this also has. A re-recorded version of the original 80s cartoon theme song that, uh, it sounds a little bit weird to me. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Like, that's not the original, is it? Well, I couldn't tell if it's the original without compression. Because, mm. you know, we always heard those could, yeah. severe yeah. compression through arcade It, it machines, sounds like so. the arcade version, but, man, I, yeah, I, I'm honest, I honestly could not tell and, you. And they play it during the arcade version, and it sounds exactly like it does on the title screen. So I did not bother to do the research to find that out. Yeah, I, yeah, I just assumed it was the original, and they just made it sound the way it was supposed to sound. If you don't, if you don't think that's a big a deal... Speaker. Like the second Turtles theme that was exclusively for the commercials, they couldn't, they didn't want to pay for this version. And mm-hmm. you'd, whenever you'd see the action figures licensed, there'd be that Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles because they didn't want to pay for this version. Oh, that that was the the two thousands cartoon version. No, it was it was it was all over the place because they didn't want to pay. For, they weren't going to use this. They weren't going to license this song. It's just another expense. This also came out when this year was an embarrassment of riches for Turtles fans because we were kind of coming off the high of Shredder's yeah. Revenge when this mm-hmm. came out. And oh, it's yeah. like, well, if you want to go experience the, the games that inspired Shredder's Revenge, here, we have a whole collection of them. And I think I've been meaning to ask you guys, like, should they've got to be online multiplayer for these, right? Like, it, not every kind of be cool. But, but some of it, not yeah. everything. But like, I think they said they wanted to be selective and certain games like certain games that you would think it's weird that they have multiplayer but co-op obviously the tournament fighters has as a uh, multiplayer really more than like almost more than you could even ask from this franchise from uh from a collection like this it's really I'm neat. just saying i wouldn't mind playing turtles in time with the two of you online like we did with shredders revenge yeah. maybe, maybe get to mm-hmm. diamond dog to join in. yeah i've only finished turtles in time twice considering how many times i've finished these fucking games what are you rich? Got a pocket full of quarters as a kid? No, uh, I have. Dad a, owns the arcade. I have. I've had Mame since it came out, and I've had a modded arcade machine for a very long time. <laughs> and then that would make more sense. Yes. Uh, Remember when the, the? I'm old enough to know the days of modding an arcade machine used to mean unlocking it and hitting the toggle switch a hundred times. It's true. If you need a Pac-Man <laughs> machine hard enough, it'll drop tokens all at your feet. Hmm. <laughs> what? It's an exploit. <laughs> Nothing wrong with using those. But yeah, yeah. Uh, like I, like but, I, I, I kept saying, like, God, I hope this happens for other franchises. But the track record is never going to be as graceful as this period of the Ninja Turtles. Like, mm-hmm. I, I think... If I, oh, I think I've said that before. Like, the Ninja Turtles was, like, the last thing I was super into before the Nintendo. And then after the Nintendo, like, I was never into anything that big again. And I think part of the reason I was really into Ninja Turtles is because the Nintendo, i.e. the arcades and the Genesis, helped make that this fucking un- unavoidable, ubiquitous brand of absolute quality. And to see them preserved and even, like, up, like, 
done better is is just so awesome. So awesome. Yeah. And I again, I have yeah. not played this yet. Uh, for Black Friday, really? it was uh, it's thirty nine ninety nine regularly, I believe. Yes. Uh, and it's, yeah. uh, I, I think I got it from GameFly used because I had GameFly dollars. So I I think I told you guys like I think I just got that game for like twelve bucks. You it, know, it, for for Black like Friday, uh, everybody like somebody did it. And then everybody matched it, and it got went down to nineteen ninety nine. I have yeah. faith that'll happen one more time before Christmas. I hope to pick it up then. I don't want to lose Digital Eclipse money, but fuck, that's a great. That's like an unbelievably great deal. Nineteen ninety nine. Remember, like and if this was like the Wii Virtual Console, we'd be paying like eight to twelve bucks for, for these individually. Yeah, and it's it, in true Digital Eclipse style. It's not just a bag of ROMs. It is not only does it add all those features, but it has like a museum where you can look at design docs and add mock-ups for the the old games. Like going back decades, uh, you you can find out like oh here's the yeah the original drawings that they had for like how the turtle should move in the original NES game, like what a jump should look like, what an attack should look like, and I will say. This caused me to reevaluate that original NES game for a second time because, you know, I, I think I went through what a lot of us went through, like when you're a kid and you're playing it, like, this is really fucking hard. Merciless. And then you grow up a bit and you realize it's not just that it was hard, it's that it was also really bad. And then you play it with the ability to rewind things and that takes away a lot of the difficulty and you're like okay no it has some problems mostly with difficulty but once you remove those it's once you kind of sand down the the rough edges then it's actually a pretty fun little game and i was able to finish it for the first time in my life which it felt like a, a weight coming off my chest that I didn't know was there <laughs> because this bedeviled the hell out of me when I was a kid. And it was, I, I like, I remember thinking like the ending is in this cartridge I'm holding in my hand. Why can't I access it? This sucks. Because the randomly spawning stage and that's all the stuff you have. I remember trying to take advantage of uh, in, in playthroughs, like returning and exiting buildings, hoping for better spawns. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, uh, the, the random spawns. Oh my gosh, yeah, yeah. Uh, saving, say, like holding back one of your characters to save them for the pizza, and then watching speedrunners. It's one of my. I don't love all games. I I used to play watching speedrunners do it, but man, they really make a ton of sense out of Ninja Turtles, mm. especially that damn level that everybody hates. Move, yeah. just move. Yeah, just like, keep keep moving. Just take the hits if you have to. But... Take the hits, keep moving. Mm -hmm. And 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 like I I cannot wait to finish because if I finished it, it was with a code or with a friend. Like I, I don't think we ever finished the original TMNT. What what do we call that? The red label one. Yeah, um, it's Teenage Mutant I... Ninja Turtles. The the arcade game is Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, and the NES version of the arcade game is Teenage Mutant Ninja it's... Turtles Two. The arcade game. Oh, wow. This you, one. Is that in shrink wrap? Holy shit. No, it, Adam gave me some like UV proof. Oh, nice. Coatings for it. Because it's not in great condition. Uh, but yeah, I bought this for like 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 50 bucks. Damn. Shit, like seven years ago. Uh, I'm still astonished I got it for that. But uh, yeah, I, I love this. I hate this game. But I also <laughs> love this game. <laughs> this is the best is way very to play iconic. It. Yeah. Like when I think of Ultra... The, the mm -hmm. label this was published yes. under, I think mm -hmm. of this box cover. Yeah, this yeah, and Metal Gear, like the original Metal Gear. 
No doubt. And skate or die, of course. Um, and anyway, uh, yeah, Ninja Turtles Cowabunga Collection. If you've ever been a fan of these games and are even marginally interested in playing them again, I thoroughly recommend it. It is a, a great collection. It is a great little museum. But if you want to talk about what Digital Eclipse did to really fucking impress this year with its digital museums and collections, we got to talk speak. about... Thirty years to pretty much the present, the arcades have been relegated to the back rooms and the side streets, and uh, generally been an unsavory type of place. What we want to do is bring the amusement game to age. If we can give it a new zip and a pizzazz, it's going to be uh, financially successful as well as, I think, a very serious part in the leisure time activity of the American people. That is Atari co-founder Nolan Bushnell speaking to a, a, a news show in like 1972. And you can watch the full clip of that report in Atari 50 which has a bunch of stuff like that. It is primarily an interactive museum that you can browse and watch videos and like read documents from back in the day. And then it's like, and then this game was published. You want to play it, hit this button and you can play the game or you can just, you know, go and look at the library and like, I think it's something like a hundred different games. It's, it's a ton of things. And like, I think what you might be expecting, if you're like me going into this, like if if I didn't, full disclosure, have a friend who worked on this and uh, wanted to to shout it out partly for his sake, um, I might have just thought like, oh, it's another Atari 2600 collection. Who gives a shit? I hate all those games. Um, I still (laughs) am not a fan of those games like the Atari 2600, but it goes so far beyond that. It's like, here's a bunch of Atari arcade games. Here's Major Havoc. They're they're like vector space shooter thing. Here's iRobot. And then it gets into like not just the 2600, but the 7800, the Atari XE, the, the computer that they had. They, it gets into the Lynx. It gets into the Jaguar. And these games are all there and you can, you can play them. Um, you know, obviously it's not complete. Like it doesn't have Alien versus Predator for Jaguar. It doesn't have, of course, Pitfall for 2600, which was not made or produced by Atari. So, of course, it's not in there. People just associate it with the 2600. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But this is a lot of fun. Plus, it has, of you know, in addition to all these old games that are very well emulated, it has new ones. There's there's a game called Haunted Houses, which is like a 3D remake of Haunted House, where you're actually playing as like a big pair of pixely eyes that walks around in 3D mazes that are haunted by ghosts. Uh, there is a Yars Revenge remake that is just sitting there and you can play and it sounds kind of badass. But... You know, it's still the same game with the same old Atari sound effects, and uh, it's it's just really fun to play. Also, of course, the crown jewel of the Atari Jaguar for those that remember, which uh, Tempest Two Thousand. Mm-hmm. 
think that first sound clip is saying Super Blaster Recharge, not Superstar Burrito. But uh, <laughs> I don't know. I, um, I, I again, I, like I don't even own this yet, but I've been following yeah. it like a hulk because uh, this is, I think, one of the coolest things Digital Clips has ever done. Yeah, and yeah. I, not. Uh, I'm trying to articulate articulate this in a way I haven't done before, but like being a fan when DVD started coming out, and like, oh, I've never, I don't know much about Buster Keaton. I'm not a Buster Keaton fan. I didn't live through this. I wasn't exposed to this, but I've read about how they're important. None of us uh, on this show are dyed-in-the-wool Atari fans. We weren't there. Uh, or like, uh, the, yeah, I want to buy this Superman box set. It's got the Donner cut and uh, all these special features. And like, games have never done that for us yet. Like, uh, like let's. I, I really, it's not. I don't want to just sit here and enjoy myself. I want to learn. And I want to know everything about why these games are important. And that's what this collection is. This wonderfully curated tour through the thing that like defined yeah. Western gaming and like uh, ushered it into the mainstream. And yeah. it's, it's got a ton of really great video interviews with people who worked at Atari at the time. Like, oh, So the creator of Yars Revenge and also E.T., yeah. Howard Scott Warshaw, uh, sat down. And here he is talking about the creation of Yars Revenge. So I looked over this game. It was Star Castle. I played it a bunch. I thought about it on the VCS. I looked it over and I realized, holy crap, this is going to suck. This is going to absolutely suck. And I could not afford to have my first project suck. So he turned it into Yara's Revenge and made it not suck. Uh, here's Tim Schafer talking about his love for the Atari Lynx. There were so many things near the end of um, my early days with Atari that I wished like everything um, we felt was underappreciated. Like I bought a Lynx and I, I was trying to find people to play the Lynx with me and everyone else had a Game Boy. And I was like, you guys, Todd Slime World, let's do this, let's play Warbirds, come on. <laughs> it's uh, the founder of Double Fine, everybody, talking about the Atari handheld, which you can play several games from on this I know, collection, I remember including we, Junkyard Dog. We were at, when Michael and I worked in editorial, we were doing a week of like the best game on every platform. And then we got to the Lynx, and like I just said, like anybody love the Lynx? And uh, like I, I did. I think I've told that story before. The fucking grounded kid. His mom gave his Lynx to my mom, who gave it to me. Uh, and then you you started to tell us the story, but your batteries ran out halfway through. <laughs> our, <was> the <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I never I never played it on the go. I only played it in the house. But uh, our, our boss just goes. Todd in the slime world, <laughs> and I'm like, all right, I was gonna put Scrapyard Dog or Batman Returns in there, but whatever. Yeah, like if, if you you feel that strong, like if you're willing to shout it out that quickly, and they're both here, they're both here. So nice. I just remember Todd's Adventures in the Slime World had like a, pre a review or something, some sort of big pictorial in Electronic Gaming Monthly back in the day. And I just remember there being like a breakout of like many ways to die. And I'm like, look, here's all the ways that your character can die. And here's being melted by slime. Raped by bats. Eaten by a monster. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Still marketing games based on that, which you'll hear later in the show when we talk about the Callisto Protocol. Ooh, can't <laughs> The wait. death animation. Um, but also, uh, you know, as as Dan pointed out when he was on here a few episodes ago, uh, the, you know, there's there's always like, oh, well, you're going to talk about the drug use at Atari, you know, supposedly that people Dude, were getting yeah. high all the time. Hell yes, they're going to talk about the drug use. We started smoking pot right in our office. Rob and I were like the premier pot. Sorry, Rob. Um, 
<laughs> I and some other person who occasionally shared an office with me for five years at Atari, however that freaking worked, we would just fire up right in the office. It's like, who knows why? It's like, this is like, it's illegal. It's like, it wasn't even a sense of privilege. It was just mindlessness. <laughs> yeah. And it's it's full of stuff like that. Bunch more interviews. Uh, all the games are surprisingly fun to get into. And if you don't like them, they're also real easy to jump out of. Right. Uh, there's there's stuff that you can unlock. I you know I, I found that like oh there's there's a bunch of things little little riddles that uh, I suspect Dan may have written. Uh, he also got to work on the puzzles for uh, Sword Quest Airworld, yes. I think, which was the unfinished fourth Sword Quest game, which they made based on these these old designs for it. It's in there. It's a new game that looks and replaces like a 2600 I, I just, game. I, I wish I could impress on people who don't give a shit. It's This is the coolest thing that's ever been made for something you might not totally care about. Now imagine it was made for something you did. It's worth encouraging and it's worth supporting. Yeah, if you support this, maybe they'll do something you do really care yeah. about. Yeah. Well, th- it's it is so funny to me that like we've cut, we've come full circle of like the first video game collections I can recall that were like nostalgia collections were based on Atari games, yeah. and those weren't great. Like they were just they, like, they were yeah, always a the bunch cheapest of games thing and... you could get. Like what? I can yeah. get thirty yeah. games for. Like the, oh, the, I can plug this joystick into my TV. The yeah, Jack I mean, specific Atari flashback or whatever. Right. Yeah. But but what this what this fulfills is the promise of something sort of of a similar era years later. But like this is like what Encarta was supposed to be. Yeah. Like yes. it is like an interactive encyclopedia. Yeah, it's something that it's takes something you through the history of the Atari. Disney used like, to do with its Blu-rays way. and doesn't do anymore. Where you could like branch. I think uh, New Line did it too. Where you could like. Would you like to know more? And you could just like branch into other stuff, but you can just jump into playing stuff and jump out of it for for trivia. Just contextualization and curation is so important when it comes to classic games. And we, you know, through limitations and licensing, we've kind of done a bad, the industry's done a bad job up until I think this moment. This changes how we present things. It's it's limitations in licensing, but also just like the industry sort of has done a bad job of documenting its own history. Like no one's writing this shit down, right? Mm-hmm. Like I've been in the room for so many discussions that I'm like, wow, like someday they could write a book about what's being discussed here. But like no one's going to remember or no one's going to even know who to ask about yeah. that thing. Right? In fact, like, it's probably discouraged that people write it down because all that shit is confidential and they don't yeah. want leaks. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So it, it's amazing that they were able to do this. And that's what's sort of nice about atari being in the position it's in it's like yeah technically it's an ongoing concern but like that company has changed hands so many times like the people who would feel litigious about something like this well actually they're part of this game collection like they're the ones being interviewed so it's they're they're practically and i don't know if this is too insulting they're practically kenner they're kenner like uh lucas a long time ago bought kenner to appeal to the kenner toy company who originally produced the Star Wars toys to put Kenner on retro Star Wars toys. And you can find them on Indiana Jones toys, even though they didn't make those. But like, uh, it's just, a, it's just Kenner. Atari is just Kenner for the most part. This, this brand that, um, yeah. makes mm. people feel a certain way, but it, it was important that somebody did this. And I'm, I'm glad whoever that shell company is who probably sells NFTs and pizza that they, they allowed all this to happen. <laughs> I, I can never tell if it's like a 
good Atari year? Like, oh, is the owner of Atari a good owner right now, or is it one of the bad owners? Like, because it's changed hands so many yeah. times. If it's, it's black smoke coming out of the chimney, it's a bad owner. But if it's white smoke, then you know a new pope has been selected. Right. Yes. <laughs> if, if the Atari logo is, it's, if it, there you go. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, like that's the thing is, as long as there are T-shirts with that logo available for me to purchase, I'll be fine. Yeah. Um, well, the, yeah. Like I said, I didn't. I don't think I finished. There is. There are games that you can unlock that are hidden parts of the collection, right. not clearly included. But yeah, you will find like a classified envelope and then like a little riddle on it. And the one I found was like, you know, uh, it's find the the dead end in Graves Academy. And it's like, oh, I know what that refers to. That refers to a game I was playing earlier. So I went and found it, and then you know, found a secret room and unlocked this thing. And it's like, you now get to play basic math for Atari 2600, which is exactly what it sounds like. <laughs> oh man. The uh, ready player, our ready player one is so shitty compared yeah, to one of the movies. like this. Yeah. 1977 fucking Peter Max ass cover with like kids hanging out with monsters and like numbers floating around. And then you play the game and it is just bare bones, like nine plus three equals, and you two have plus to, two is okay. four. Two plus two yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> like deep, deep two, deep, deep, deep. Hit Man, the how they how they nab the license to math. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it was later n- renamed Fun with Numbers. I know that is yeah. a much better title. But yeah, it's it's from when they they really they put it out when the Atari first rolled out to convince parents that it could be educational for their children. Oh, that's, uh, oh yeah, I'm this, sure this they didn't the include it. Where like, uh, part of that was. Trusting network TV and PBS uh, mainstay Alan Alda, like this Atari is tremendous. It's ama- it's amazing. Mm-hmm. What we can do with this thing? Oh, yeah. Well, nine that, plus the thing. Nine plus three is twelve. I had no. I, idea. I had no. I had no idea. Well, <laughs> uh, that that that's the cool part to me is like I was not really around for it, but I, I had an Atari twenty six hundred as a hand me down, so I'm kind of familiar with that part of Atari's history, but like. It covers all the systems, and yeah, about half of those systems they were trying to pawn off as personal computers mm-hmm. and not just game console systems to either trick parents into getting yeah. them for their homes or, and it, I don't know, maybe it was post-crash they were trying to avoid yeah. that label. And it is interesting, I was talking to you guys, I think once you get past the 2600 era, like, you know, Atari at, at one point was, I think, owned by the same people as Commodore. Mm-hmm. And so, like, a lot of the games for, for later Atari systems have a very strong, like, 1980s and 90s Euro vibe mm. to them. Like, games mm-hmm. made in Europe during that time kind of all have, like, a similar feel that you can sort of tell. Like, they have, like, it, like it's an Amiga slash Commodore 64 vibe. There's, like, this some chirpy music, like, big chunky fonts, cool screen distortion effects. And uh, it looks it, like the games look like something that came out of the, the late 80s demo scene or something. Um, it, it, there's there's a very strong aesthetic that you can see in some of those games like uh, Adventures of Trevor McFur for Jaguar or Atari Karts, which is like, hey, it's it's like a worse version of Mario Kart that has the bear from Crystal Castles. Yeah, and uh, is clearly made by a Spanish and nobody developer. else. Like, it's just... <laughs> One character you can <laughs> yeah. see the back of his head on. Yeah, and and other beloved Atari characters like Pulpito, the octopus, and uh, a snowman. And yeah, it's like what? What do you? Nobody cares about these characters. What is this? Come on! But that's but that's anyway. what's so great about it all. 
yeah. it's like and it's there warts yeah, that and you're, all. you're paying a fraction of a cent for that game <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and a bunch of other shit and basically like i like i i have a feeling when i do eventually open it up and play it I'm not sure I'll ever play the games. And that's an interesting thing to think about. Mm. I just, I just kind of jump around and it's like, oh, this looks interesting. Play it. And like, well, I got about 20 seconds of play out of that. Now I'm bored. I got my money's yeah. worth. <laughs> that's, that's about most Atari games. And that's mm-hmm. what's funny is the games are like very much a secondary or tertiary draw to this collection. It's oh, like, yeah. yeah, the games are there to contextualize all the cool shit yeah. you're learning about. Don't, don't games, get it for know? the games. Get it because it's a love letter to the early days yeah. of gaming. And just like... One of the best coffee table books that we won't put on your coffee table. You just put it in and in. Yeah, in like console. if you know an older gamer who has any modern system, Hello. but like any modern system and hasn't played anything in a while, like this will blow their fucking minds this Christmas. It really will. It's mm. it's the perfect physical gift because um, and I, I'm so torn on what system to get it on. I really am. I haven't, I haven't done the research yet, but um, it's so much to play right now. God damn it. So that is our top five best remakes and remasters of the year so far, according to us. Don't get mad if we left out your favorite. We probably just didn't play it. No, I hate it. I hate it. No, yeah, no, it's bad, and your taste is bad. Chris is mm-hmm. right. Uh, this is totally definitive, and you should regard everything we say as one hundred percent law. I hate your favorite game. <laughs> as the ultimate arbiters of taste. We, we dictate uh, your your tastes to you. Anyway, that's been our list. What's your list? I don't know. Maybe you'll get a chance to let us know. In the meantime, we need to take a little break. And when we come back, we'll talk about some news, some new releases, some other stuff. So stay tuned. My arrival marks a change in your hegemon. Forget your Lexus. Here's an axis of your lexicon. And if you want to get a piece, just cross the Rubicon. Cool and bring your battle to the streets of Geronimon. They'll all squash you like a hexapon. Whereupon, even if you had six miles, wouldn't help you on this mic you're on. While you were getting off, I still had my rock on. Things went from bad to worse, but you'd like Michael Jackson. I'll push you in ways like an octopod. That'll be free in one less than eight days like this rock belong. Then I'll blow your shit up once again like your name was Adderall. Cause you're an original, like Psycho, starring this Ford. Let's get scratching. Would you like exclusive bonus podcast commentaries and more from the Laser Time crew? then we strongly encourage you to support this show on patreon.com slash laser time. It supports not only this show, but all the rest of the Laser Time Network. You'll get commentaries, play games with the hosts, see exclusive videos first, and receive an uncut weekly ad-free podcast bonus time. Speaking of which, here's a quick taste. Yeah, I'm talking about the Wii U, a system I bought two weeks before the Switch was announced. (laughs) (laughs) I should have saved that because I'm dying to talk about this. This is a bonus show of which we have no name because it's not bonus time. It's 30, 20, 10 adjacent, but I don't know what kind of theme song it deserves. But more importantly, uh, a round of digital applause for Steve Guntley, half of the We Universe podcast. We Universe. Hello. I, I've never heard Weenus in that before until now. Now I'm smiling. Uh, oh, no, I haven't either. Yeah, yeah we're, we're here to... We're here to- Get Bonus Time, a weekly uncensored and commercial-free podcast every Tuesday, starting for just $5 on Patreon.com slash LazerTime. And welcome back to our second segment where we're just going to... Oh, shit. God damn it. Mm -hmm. Uh, Callisto Protocol 
is you a game. Uh, yeah, full disclosure. This is the second full disclosure of the ep- well, third actually after my one with Dan. Uh, Matt, you worked on this game. Yeah, at one I point. get around apparently. Mm-hmm. Second, yeah. second yeah. Matt disclosure on this show. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah actually, I, I was um, I was honored uh, and and a little surprised. I, I ended up in the credits, which typically doesn't happen if you. Yeah leave a project before it ships uh, in mm-hmm. this industry. So uh, thank you to the SDS team for still including me. Got a little shout out in and those credits. It's a stupid yeah. system, and I don't understand why it still exists. You ah, were here yeah. for five years, mm-hmm. but you left in the last before, month. Before we shipped, right? Yeah. Yeah. Now, yeah. now we take you out. Yeah. So this is the uh, from the one of the creators of Dead Space, Glenn Schofield, mm-hmm. and his new studio, which... A lot of the the studio is comprised of ex Visceral Games people who worked yep. on the original Dead Space, and then ex Sledgehammer Games folks who worked ah. on Call of Duty World War Two, which is why you see this game stars Josh Duhamel because he was like the star of that Call of Duty game and, and all that stuff. So but he's from um, what is he a uh, How I Met Your Mother guy or is he from he's from like? Fergie's ex husband uh, and oh. the Transformers films. Ah, nah. I, I got uh, fucking Jane vibes, Firefly style uh, from him yeah. the whole time. Adam Baldwin. But he, um, mm-hmm. So he's in there. And then uh, Karen Fukuhara from The Boys and hey. The Bad mm, Suicide Squad movie. Right? <laughs> Isn't she, mm. she in The Bad well, one? Whatever. The, the Boys is great enough to undo The Suicide yeah. Squad movie. Yeah, she's great. And she's good in the game, too. But, it, yeah, this is a survival horror game. Um, that is very heavily inspired by Dead Space. Uh, in, it, it has some trade-offs though with Dead Space, right? Like they clearly didn't want to just like remake that game. And so mm-hmm. instead of Isaac and his mining tools, like it does have more traditional weapon variant types. But I think the coolest new thing they bring to this game is there's a heavy reliance on melee for mm-hmm. the combat as, as opposed to, you know, Dead Space was still shooty-shooty. You just had the gun that chopped off the limbs and all that stuff. Whereas this game is like, I mean, the, the one thing, what's the one thing you don't want to do in a survival horror game with enemies is be close to them, well, right? Yes. Like, if it's Resident Evil 4, then then maybe. Mm-hmm. But um, This game makes you do that. It's like, yeah, you yeah. got to wait till they get close to you and then do the cool dodge mechanic which they have mapped to the left stick which sounds like it wouldn't work and yet it oddly does but Mm -hmm. you you basically have to bob and weave to dodge attacks and then get in some uh heavy hitting attacks which i gotta be honest like the the feel of this game there's everything about this game feels heavy Mm -hmm. like in Mm -hmm. in kind of a good way right like it's meant to feel that way it's meant to be like yeah you're you're slogging through shit filled dungeon shit on on a Callisto, which is a moon of Jupiter. It's a it's a moon it's a space prison uh, you're in there. So um I don't know. I I know a lot about this game. Uh, I want to know what you guys think about this game because obviously I worked on it so uh, my well, opinions I don't mean, count. I really like the melee combat. Uh it does become surprisingly natural just kind of holding in one direction or the other to, to dodge attacks. It does make the monsters a bit less scary, though, when I, you know, get used to just running up and beating the shit out of them. Yeah. Um, that's RE4, they, baby. Yeah. The knife. If, if you get good at that dodge thing, it can make the game a lot easier mm-hmm. until later in the game they have this thing called mutations, which is very similar. Like, in RE4, you are talking about, like, you know, if you've been shooting off enemies' heads the whole game in RE4, eventually they're going to have the weird bug-like creature that comes out of their head. Like, mutations yeah. is sort of that. It's like if you see these tentacle things, that enemy's about to evolve and become a lot harder to kill. So try to kill the 
tentacle things before mm. that happens. So yeah. it, it, it does try to make it harder at that I'm, point. I'm very early in the game, but I still find it remarkable that it's kind of the best looking game I've ever seen on PS5. That's, we should have probably led with that is mm. if this was if this was a game pro magazine in the 90s this game across the board would get like the crazy yeah, uh, warheads looking dude in for our visuals chat, this is the best graphics. looking third party game but then looking at it again like yeah no it's, it, this looks better than horizon zero dawn and and to some extent like you know you can't interact with much and um yeah right it, yeah. It's, it's, it's very it's like close. these beautiful environments that you can't really pick things up and all that, but stuff. it's but like in it's, terms of like, uh, like like dark dark uh, demon souls is like one of the best looking games on PS five in in terms of uh playing playing the game, but it's like the textures are garbage and like it's all dark, and uh, this is I don't know like like there's certain parts of the visuals like uh this is why you buy a next gen system this looks completely hmm. different this. This might be one of the few games. So this game does, um, it's hard to find. You have to get to it from the main menu, not in the game. There is a performance mode, and then there's like a fidelity mode. That's, yeah. This is one of the few games where I might recommend to people try out that fidelity mode because it enables things like ray trace shadows, and there's like a lot of cool lighting and shadow shit that you will not get if you're in performance mode, which of course, you know, if your performance mode gives you the 60 frames, which we all love the 60 is frames. It, is it on like, PS4 and Xbox One as well? This one, uh, well, I'm playing on PS5. I think we're all playing on PS5, right? right? Mm -hmm. So it's just, just on next gen and next gen, current yeah. gen, whatever you call it, this gen and PC. Okay. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, I have to say that that's a little bit of a strange assessment to me, Chris, because mm. I think I think it looks great. I, I don't know that it necessarily looks better than most of the other current I gen games so, yeah. that I've played. Huh. I think the characters and the enemies do like the the human faces. Like you feel like you're watching a cinematic most of that they're, game. Yeah, like, they're, and they're rendering much, much, much smaller environments with a lot less interactivity than something like Horizon. Right. And, and it's, yeah. It's like, very and, and it's in. meant to these these are meant to be brutalist environments that kind of look bad because it's a space prison. It's all jagged rocks and tunnels and shit like that. Mm. Which for some reason, a lot of spiky walls in this prison. What the what's the deal with mm -hmm. that? Like every mm -hmm. fucking where you go, got it, got it. You know, a prisoner gets up, but you got to give him a little shot. New razor wire. Who's boss? Yeah. Well, that, oh, that's the other thing. So Dead Space had uh, what was it? The stasis or whatever. This thing has a thing called the grip, the GRP, which is mm -hmm. basically like this. Eh, the lore of it is like it's this futuristic power glove that the guards use to keep prisoners in mm. line, right? They basically mm -hmm. like kind of hey, get over yeah, here force, and, and, and a force bring, choke for a guy with a you know yeah. without a high school degree, right? Right. But mm -hmm. the way you use it in this game and little power strat tip from old Matty Al, like um, when you go to upgrade shit throughout the game, you should probably spend your money on upgrading the stun baton and the grip because those are the things you're going to use the most in this game, mm -hmm. and so Good it enough. almost. So Michael was talking about like, yeah, the dodge can kind of trivialize some of these encounters. The grip definitely does that because you can use those spiky walls and just like throw an enemy onto it and impale them. And, the, and that instantly kills them. There's a lot of conveniently placed grinders and fans and environments mm -hmm. you can throw enemies into with that thing. Um, it's all very nice and, and it feels you know very nice when you throw them in that and lots of sloshy blood, chunky flesh effects and all that stuff. Hooray. But, uh, yeah, at one point I remember, you know, sloshing through a bunch of blood and like 
Remember when it was a feature in fighting games that the chunks of blood would stay on the screen after yeah. you punch a guy? Yeah. Oh, there's a lot of that in this game, mm-hmm. too. It's like if you when you crawl through a sewer full of shit, there will be poo particles all over mm. you when you get out of that, that sewer. You the can poo stays it. on the character. Blocking <laughs> my neck hood? I wanted to put that on the package. They wouldn't let me. The poo stays on the character. But yeah, oh, that's the other thing. Yeah, then it's very Dead Space in that, like, all of the UI, it's it's all in the game itself. Like, mm-hmm. um, Yeah, yeah. It borrows that from Dead Space, but instead of, like, uh, the cool thing that everybody carries on their back, like the rig or whatever, now it's like, we're going to staple a thing into the back of your neck that's going to yeah. display your health bar. Instead of a needle going into someone's yeah. eye, like in Dead Space, mm-hmm. they have a thing going into your spine in yeah. this game. And you'll die when they put it in, just so we can show you what happens when it goes down to zero. No, it's so we, they can show you what the health injectors, it's how that, they work. Yes, exactly. Yeah, but, uh, I, you know, it's funny. I was telling you guys, yes, I did work on this game, but, like, I am strangely compelled to see this thing through, even though I, I know the story or- I read mm-hmm. the script, right? I, I want to. I want to see. Like, there's something like driving me to see how things play out in this game more so than even like God of War. You know, like mechanically, this game's not as good as God of War. Not mm-hmm. even close, right? With the combat and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not. It's going for a very different thing. And I'm sorry, you know, but like story wise and just presentation wise, this feels almost like. Like a Naughty Dog game. Like they're meant huh. to be these like roller coaster games or like I, I think I've put in the chat with you guys like these are Disney rides. Like I, I am. Yes. It, these are two shooters. Defiantly um, old school. Yeah. It feels very old school. Like I, I am meant to walk through these tunnels to get from point A to point B. And along the way, there's going to be some cool shit to see. There's going to be enemies attacking me or whatever. But like. I like that it's kind of simple. Like I, yeah, I know where I'm supposed to go. Like this game's gonna mm. gonna point that out to me. Um, the one thing I, I I do have a little bit of a criticism is, and this could be because I worked on it and I know where some of these are. I haven't been scared yet in this horror game, and I am notoriously a wuss. I've, I, I've admitted I, I, this I on have the show before. Plenty. I okay. haven't at all. <laughs> I, I have. Like I, I don't know. But but again, it's it's super close quarters. I, I, I turned off all the sound and everything else and all the lights in my house. And, I, I hear that if you really want to play this game, play it with headphones. And, Michael, I know you have those good 3D mm-hmm. headphones. Oh, yeah. Takes it, oh, oh, that's the other thing on PS5. Yeah. Takes uh, advantage of that stuff. If you're playing on headphones, turn off your controller audio oh, because yeah. otherwise you will spend a, a chunk of the game thinking the character's just randomly talking to himself like, Elias, I found the elevator. Silence. <laughs> like that was my reality. Like I thought he was just muttering to it. To it's like because this, you have noise canceling headphones, right? It's... Well, not even noise canceling, but like loud enough that I'm not hearing the audio coming out of the controller. And and right. so yeah, I just for the longest time thought that like, he's he's just like talking to Elias, but he doesn't have a radio or anything. What the hell? Why does he just keep muttering? So those controller speakers always scare me whenever a game uses those, and so it kind of in a way enhances the horror experience. Like it it does startle me whenever my controller. It gets loud and, and squawks at me, you know. Mm. It's, uh, but yeah, I I would say this is a game. Play it at night. Turn the lights off. Put on your headphones. Um, if you're playing on PS5, it t- definitely takes advantage of the haptics a lot too. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. um, with the, when I talk about like you can feel the impact of the melee and stuff. A lot of that on PS5 is because of the haptic vibration stuff. So that's kind of cool. But um, yeah, I, I think if you like Dead Space, um, 
And if you're willing to take the word of a guy who worked on this game, like it's worth checking out. Yeah, Agreed. it's I what I've played is fun. I know that the reviews have been like what like seventies to eighties, but uh, yeah, yeah, it's it's pretty good for a new studio. You know, um, that tends to be the case, right? Typically, the first game from a new studio, hmm. you're really lucky if you get in the high sevens or eights, and then where I really get curious is like the second game is where a lot of new like. A lot of studios will, will all of a sudden kind of produce their masterpiece, right? They'll, they'll come out mm-hmm. with nines and stuff. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, this is a, a great start for for a new studio, and um, looking forward to uh, to seeing what what they got. All right. Well, tell me about Marvel's Midnight Suns. Oh, I, I, oh, oh I'm so steeped in Marvel Snap, and I'm sick of all my favorite it's characters saying so it one can't be thing. Uh, I would I, I love hearing it's a Marvel friendship simulator. <laughs> it's well it's it's like you, you talk about marvel snap which mm-hmm. is a card-based tactical game um this is like that but imagine if in marvel snap instead of the cards animating um there's people on a screen who are enacting the powers that are on those cards oh doing um, what marvel mm-hmm. characters are supposed to do yeah but with cards but I mean, you you still it's still for access, so it's still turn based tactical. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's not like XCOM though. You get like one move per turn, at least at the point of the game that I'm at. Well, and and the maps aren't big enough. It's not like XCOM in that you're maneuvering around a map to flank people or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's very much just like yeah, you're in kind of this mini combat arena. It's more so. Whereas XCOM is more about positioning and getting line of sight and close. You know, making sure that you're going to land a hit. A little bit like Mario and Rabbids, um, Mario plus Rabbids, whatever the fuck. Uh, this game is more about how am I comboing my powers with my heroes, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's like, hey, um, Blade, who's in this, and, and if nothing else, this game definitely wants me to get more Blade content because I fucking love Blade. Or at the very least, go back and watch those Wesley Snipes movies. Yeah. Which we have on Patreon.com slash LazerTime of me, Chris, and Dave watching Blade, which was fun Oh, is that the one you showed up in a leather jacket and sunglasses yes. for? Yes, with <laughs> with vampire teeth, motherfucker. Ah, nice. Um, but no, uh, so like Blade has like bleed powers, right? Or bleed abilities. And then and then he might have another power that's like, if a character is bleeding, it's going to do more damage and stuff like that. So I guess you could say it's a deck building game because in between mm-hmm. missions, you can like... Uh, you can trade out cards and, and stuff that you've equipped heading into the battle. I haven't gotten far enough to really be playing around that much with that stuff. Um, that's my one complaint so far is it's... Uh... All right. I'm going to put this in a nice way. For a game that's sort of ugly in a lot of respects, like it, it's... Because it's meant... You know, if you played for Axis games, they're sort of meant to be played from this isometric top-down view, not up close and personal... This game sure does spend a lot of fucking time in cinematics, like up close and personal with these character models that really aren't designed to be viewed from, you know, up close and personal. Ah. It's, it's kind of weird in that way. Um, also, because it's card based and stuff like and, and the way the models look, I'm like, did this start out as a mobile game? <laughs> and then someone was like, hey, we're going to make a full fledged console game out of this concept because like there's definitely traces of that in here. Is it optimized for Switch? I don't know that it's... Is it on Switch? I don't know. Yeah, I think so. Okay. Wasn't it, wasn't it like, first advertised as being on Switch? Like, shown off Could at, like, be. a Nintendo Direct Now you're thinking of uh, Ultimate Alliance 3. That's probably true. I'm I'm playing it on Xbox Series X. Um, mm. And, yeah, it's, like, it's not pushing the hardware or anything like that. But you wouldn't imagine... A Fraxis game really wouldn't 
do that, you know? Um, so, so what you're here for is if you are here for like tactic stuff and if you're here for Marvel characters and seeing how their superpowers combine. And if you want to see Captain Marvel team up with Blade, because why yes. wouldn't you want to do that? Like this is the game to do that in, you know? I want to see Thing and Blade become best friends. There is one of those kind of um, what do you call those cipher characters? Yeah, you like, get you get the self insert character who's known as the hunter. Yeah, who's uh, who's the son? And this is not a spoiler because it's it's very revealed very mm-hmm. early. You're the son of the main baddie, and yeah. your job. Lilith, you, oh no, this character we've never heard of is suddenly right. more powerful than everything. Your job is to kill your mother. Like that mm-hmm. is you were raised by other people to to match your mom's power and kill her. And so every couple hundred years, it seems like you get summoned back like, Hey, you got to kill your mom again. Hmm. Um, again, I, yeah. I did appreciate that. Like during the character creator, one of the options for hairstyle is volume, which is like this gigantic mane of hair, the what, likes of which I haven't seen since the eighties. And yes. so of course I went and did that like on a male avatar with like a little bit of stubble. It's like, yeah, make him look like Fabio. Yeah. It's a great a idea. A lot of volume. Mm-hmm. Voluminous. Mm-hmm. I, I kind of feel like I'm bad-mouthing it, but no, I'm having fun. That's the thing mm-hmm. is, like, I, I like the Firaxis style of game. I'm here for that. Um, if you love Marvel Snap and say, man, I wish there was a kind of more full-featured version of this, um, then this this that, is a great that's game. That's where me. I'm at. Like, uh, yeah. everything with the MCU, I feel like the MCU right now, since Avengers Endgame has been tantric sex and Marvel Snap fed into that, I really would like to see... <laughs> these characters interact in more meaningful ways and say and do things like actual people. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm dying to see that. Uh, I, I, yeah, I, I did not get a copy. I should have one soon. Um, soon. I'm saying that anybody's listening. To someone who's listening. Um, um, I'm just kidding. Jesus. Put up. <laughs> you know, it's just nice. Like if this was just like another action RPG or just another, you know, brawler or, or whatever, I don't think it'd be as compelling. The fact that like it's like, well, I want to play a turn-based tactical game with Marvel characters. That's that's sort of the draw. How does it compare to Rabbids, in your opinion? I haven't played it long enough to really make a fair comparison. Uh, and Rabbids is is Rabbids is more of that traditional XCOM. It's about flanking. It's about mm-hmm. getting a line of sight and getting a shot in. Versus again, this game's not about huge maps where you're moving around. It's more just like, yeah, what can you do with your yeah. powers available to you right play now? Play a power and run up and smash a dude. Yeah, and this game has a mechanic where you can, like, you get a certain number, like Michael said, you only get one move a turn. Mm-hmm. You get a certain number of card plays against, I Which think Which is, three. That, that is not, like, one move per character per turn. You get to, you have, like, three characters on screen. You get to decide, I'm going to move this guy once this round. And you, the only reason to do that is, like, if you're setting up a move where, like, if I hit this guy in a certain direction, he can, like, slam into a lethal right. piece of scenery or or one of his friends, and it'll, it'll do damage to both of them. And then yeah. you'll you'll want to, like, re-angle your, your guy so that's that right. he's hitting from that's the right That's the only reason angle. to move, because, yeah, it, like, there, it's such tight quarters that, like, mm-hmm. you're not moving to avoid being hit or anything like that. Like, they're going to target you and hit you no matter where you are on the map. It's what Michael said. It's like, well, some powers have certain angles they launch enemies at, or you can like, you can go behind a crate and kick that crate into the enemy. That, that might be one reason to move that. So, um, yeah. So you get the one, you get the three card plays. There are certain powers though. It's like, well, if you insta kill an enemy, you get that card play back and then you get, I think two discards per, per turn. And so 
it's all about like trying to find that perfect combo of three card plays in your given turn to do maximum damage. And so there's, there's something very fun and compelling to the moment to moment combat. Um, my only complaint is like, there's so much cinematic stuff in between those combat moments that I'm just like, all right, let me skip this shit. Let me get to the combat. Cause mm-hmm. that's, that's the fun part of this game. Yes. I'm looking forward to the mouse. Yeah, and and I will say so. I I had a little bit of bad luck early on with this game. I got it on Steam. It wouldn't start on Steam. There was some sort of bug with the launcher, so I refunded it. Got it on PS5. Ran into a bug there where it would like you know start up a new game and it would play some audio and crash. Uh, called up Sony's uh, support line to try and get a refund. Spent 45 minutes on the phone to be told, uh, you're never getting your money back. Figure it out. <laughs> and and I will say the solutions I found online at first were not good enough. What you have to do, you actually have to go in and like restart your PS5 in safe mode, clear your cache, clear the uh, – rebuild your database and restart the machine if you're having this problem. Like you might have to do that to fix it. Once I, I did that – once I did that, it's fine. It works fine. <laughs> I bought um, a console. <laughs> right, yeah, this, this is why I have but, and, I, and I'm saying this not to criticize the game, but in as like, you know, if you run into this, you might have to do this. And and once you do that, it will be fine. Remind me, was XCOM 2, SimShip, console, and PC all came out at the same time? I don't remember. Because I think XCOM 1 was PC first, and then they did console. And so I'm just wondering, like, well, yeah, Firaxis, their specialty is PC, which is so weird that the PC version is the bugged version. Mm. Um, it works on Series X. That's well, all I'm, I know. I'm sure it works, you know, once you get past that launcher. But for whatever reason, with my PC, it didn't want to go past that. So That's weird. Mm-hmm. That's weird. Uh, speaking of passing things, Need for Speed Unbound. Hey, that game looks so cool. It uh, is very cool. I mean, you know, it's. I'm, I'm just saying the look of it is very cool. Like, what, what do you like about? It? Is it the cell shading contrasted with yes, the realistic? Yeah, environments? Yeah, you, you have like yeah. photorealistic environments and cars, and then like you know you'll kick up smoke, and it's just like a cell shaded effect that looks like it was drawn on by like yeah, a trendy you, you teenager. You can modify or all that too. Yeah, like, uh, throw out graffiti and a burnout. Oh, neat. Or like when you go off jumps, I love like you're in a race and I play most racing games from um, the hood view. And mm-hmm. so I don't see the back of my car, but I do love seeing like all of the enemy racer cars. Like they all sprout these cell shaded wings when they go off jumps like midair. Mm-hmm. It's, it's uh, there's air. some, there's some stylistic choices that I think are going to be very polarizing to people you think so? about this game. Uh, it's just like, it's very like youth culture. Like, check out this I fashion mean, lines of these brands. That like, if you've look, never heard of them, it's, it's, you're, you're right. Street racing this. games should cater to middle aged white it's, dudes. It's <laughs> into the Spider Verse, the racing game. So if you don't oh, like yeah, it, that's a good way to put. Don't it. ever listen to my sh- this show again. Or, or the Mitchells versus the Machines. It kind of has a similar vibe to Jesus that too. Christ, it's the same people, Michael. Is it really? But, uh, oh, that explains why it's so wonderful. It's got that need for speed underground-esque part except not mm. not full motion video it's got the cell shaded yeah. characters instead um, i do wonder yeah. if that was added at the last minute because the character models are terrible and like a good way to cover it. no because it's it's so much a part of that game's identity mm. like even the but the yeah marketing yeah, yeah. Art beyond, is all about beyond the that shaded, this so. is a, a criterion developed game mm. the yes. hot pursuit people and i mean like 
where I'm at, I'm putting it in game of the year contention. I think it's fantastic. Mm. Uh, you mentioned Hot Pursuit, but it's it's more to me. It really reminds me of Burnout Paradise because one, but it takes a while to get to that point. Like this is a game. I told the guy, um, so I got a code from from one of the guys who works on this game, and I was like, hey your prologue sort of does your game a disservice because the prologue takes like two hours to get through all these races and it's like a very linear form of that game once that game opens up with like collectibles on an open city map yeah and there's this cool dynamic of like hey every day there's a day night cycle and every time you go to a garage it it progresses the time or, or you, the store your, you store your like, your money like majora's mask yeah you you bank your money and so it's like if you get caught by the cops before you can bank your money you lose all your earnings for that play session and so there's this this thing is like the more you race the more your heat builds up and cops are going to follow you um but That's the what, more money you can earn, what i think right? is the brilliant thing about this because both the um new nas system and progression system is based off of gambling can i do this hmm. and, and like there's always a, a there's always some indicator like uh this is not advantageous for you or well, dude, it, yeah. it literally it says easy money. Go here. Easy. Right. Money. Well, that that's the burnout identity of this thing, right? Yeah. Like the burnout games were all about like, yeah, uh, race on the wrong side of the road and near miss mm-hmm. cars. And that's yeah. how you're going to burn. That's how you build your burnout. This game has that. Like, that's how you build yeah, your you, NOS. You, like, you, yeah, build, do dangerous you build your shit. NOS, but you also, there's a th- secondary NOS meter where you can build like three burst NOS. It, it's fucking, it is a, Wonderful Geometry Wars gambling simulator. Like, I think I can do this to the next level. I just love that. So the game begins with you fixing up, like, one of three. Like, oh, we fixed up the old junker that was sitting out in our boss's uh, lot behind the garage. Right. And uh, one of the three cars you can pick is a 1988 Lamborghini Lamborghini. Countach. That's junker. Which, if you were were an 80s kid, that was, like, the epitome of of a cool car. Which I did, and I'm still struggling to, like, uh, uh, catch up to what that car could do. But but I, my my thinking is just like if you have an eighty eight like a fucking Lamborghini Countach as a junker, you have yeah. too much money. Yes. <laughs> you have too much money, or you're stealing taken from you. Well, I was going to mm-hmm. say anyone who chooses that car is a chump because it's very obvious in street racing. Like they're pointing you toward like choose the Nissan, choose mm. the car that you're going to upgrade. That you know. But, Guess uh, I'm a chump then because I got the the car that was on all my trapper. Spoilers: keepers. You lose that car after the prologue. Oh god, <laughs> doesn't matter anyway. <laughs> Um, but no, that's that's what's cool is it's it's got all that need for speed. Like, yeah, you're gonna upgrade your car. Uh, you're gonna try to earn money in these races, and then like the cop thing, it's weird because you know it. On the one hand, it's sort of brilliant, like risk reward. On the other hand, it, it can get a little annoying, sort of like in, in GTA games of just like, fuck, I just want to get home and bank my money, mm-hmm. and I have to loot, ditch these cops first, and then if your heat meter's high enough, it's like they're gonna. The second they spot me, they're going to go on another chase, and you can't get to your garage while you're being chased. Yeah, you have to lose like, them it, first. it takes that Forza element where, like, you can drive through any tree or rock yeah. Yeah. and not lose any speed. So you can drive through the whole fucking map. Yep. I, yep. Like, I, I think it's brilliant. I, I love watching people respond to this, like, why didn't EA tell us this existed? And, like, because none of you ever cared and Need for Speed game was out, and and like they, they they limited it to like one trailer, and then they release a Need for Speed game every year. They always do. 
This is. I, I think it's fair to say this is the best Need for Speed game I've played in several iterations. Of yeah, it. Like I played Heat, the last one, and it was okay. But like this is. It, it was. It was fine. But the, the gambling aspect to it in general is like what makes it addictive. It's fucking awesome. And it and it's got the hot pursuit thing of like during races, cops will appear and kind of fuck with the race. And then yeah, after every race, it's like oh yeah, the cops have get been away. chasing you, so you got to lose the cops. You know. Like you get, you got to get the fuck away. It's yeah. it's it's so far it's been really easy to do, uh, mm. in in my opinion. But um, it, I love have you it. have I, you gotten your heat up to the point where helicopters come after you? Yes, that shit sucks. Yeah. Yes, yeah, yeah. But like, uh, it, it's it's like the first big Criterion entry since I, I feel like Hot Pursuit, and uh, it, I think the game's amazing and yeah. worthy of I talking about in Game of the Year contention. I'm not kidding. I do too. I think it's cool, and and actually the customization stuff's pretty fun. Yes, I am a middle aged white guy who doesn't know any of these brands, but my fucking driver looks dope as fuck. Hmm. So I don't care. Sure, mine too. Uh, also, Warhammer Forty K Dark Tide came out. Um, let me ask you guys a question: Do you like Vermintide? I did actually. I yeah. like Vermintide. Did you ever yeah, think yes. I like Vermintide, but I wish it was set in a dark future fascist milieu where right. I, as a prisoner, have no hope but to uh, fight for the glory of the Imperium? So forty k is the sci-fi one. Just yes. plain old Warhammer is the not okay. Right. Mm-hmm. So Warhammer is yeah. Vanilla Warhammer is Vermintide. This is Vermintide, but in 40k, and you're not a space marine. You are, like I said, just a prisoner, a a random different type of soldier who uh, you, you're you're rescued or you escape during an attack by traitors, and you're given a job with the Inquisition to go the into the bowels of uh, you know various hive cities and root out. Treason and treason, fortunately, comes in the form of screaming zombie-faced hordes of traitors that you can chop to pieces with a shovel or other cutting implement. Uh, it is it is very just you know in the trenches. Uh, you've you've got like you start out with one gun and in my case a shovel. I think I went with like just the um, the sharpshooter class, not sniper, but like just just more or less a, a gener- generic soldier. You can also be like a uh, psychic mutant. You can be like uh, a, a really huge guy. I think called like a, an org or something like that, like a, an ogre, but uh, but human, but Nerds. like you just carry around really heavy shit and um, then something else that I'm blanking on. But <laughs> so this this is Left for Dead style, game, very right? Left like for Dead style game. Okay. Yeah, and yeah, I, I'm remembering now Vermintide was like yeah their fantasy Left for Dead. So this is their sci-fi Left for Dead. Exactly. And and so, yeah, it's, it's fun. It has more story than I was expecting that it begins with like a Bioware RPG style thing where like you go, you, you pick from a number of different backgrounds to figure out like, okay, my character was born on this planet and he, he, here's what he did as a child. And here's what he did when he came of age. And, uh, this is how he spent his adulthood and this is how he went to prison and here's his voice. And uh, so it's like, this is a lot of setup for something that's just going to have me run around and cut the heads off of dudes. Yeah, but it's also, this is the, the franchise that makes all its money on tiny paintable figures that people true, love to personalize. True. I mean, so, yes, yeah, so you get to, to personalize your own tiny paintable figure with, with his own detailed backstory. 
hey, you mentioned like an, an ogre orc type mm-hmm. character. I, I, only, I can only assume there's some of those in Dwarf Fortress or maybe not. I, this is the game that everyone plays that I know nothing about. Yep. Yeah, it, it is a, a, a world simulator that is apparently intricately detailed. And one of those things that, like, I avoided for years because, like, look, it it just looks like an ASCII tile set. Like, it's just a bunch of little smiley faces and stick men running around. And it doesn't look that interesting to me. But it, it has a, a $30 Steam release now with, uh, you know, fairly pretty looking tile sets that uh, I guess you can use. I downloaded like a, a, a decade of it. being playable. Jesus Christ. Something like that. It's been I, out forever. It's one yeah. of those that's like I've I've seen people talking about it for years and years online. I've never actually tried it. Oh, the most annoying conversations I've had is from Dwarf, Dwarf Fortress fans. Jesus Christ. Mm. It's a hard set of words yeah. to say together. It makes mm. Every time I read it, I, I want to just read it as Dwarfress. Dwarf I, I, Dwarf I was Fort. playing the Dwarfress game. Dwarfress. Yeah, there you I, go. I just always assumed like it had to do the ASCII thing because like there's so much going on under the hood of this game. We don't have enough power for graphics. No, it's been around it for be. a long time. Yeah. 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 It's it's a very systemy mm-hmm. game, you know. But um yeah. So if you're into that official release, uh also have there's an official release of Hello Neighbor the Deuce. Mm-hmm. Um both these games should have been on the games we uh have never mentioned before that we've yeah. never mentioned that are huge. <laughs> never never talked about huge. Hello Neighbor. Well, th- this is this is holds a very similar place as like Five Nights at Freddy's. Of like, I know that Hello Neighbor has a huge following, particularly amongst kids because yes. it's yeah. sort of like we watch it on YouTube. It's like kids' first horror thing because yes. yeah, it's, it's been it's around like for like five years. There's like seven different games. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and this this particular one has been in like early access for like a year, really, like that's two why. years. Yeah, yeah, and now it's official and it's out on. Uh, Game Pass. So if you if you or you want to try playing it with your kid because they'll love it. Hey, slowed up the old game piece. Is, is that a fucking? <laughs> I don't know if that's a Hello Neighbor reference or a Hot Buzz <laughs> reference. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. It's just fun to say game piece. I, I really like that. Mm-hmm, yes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, that does it for new releases. So let's move on to. What's Jason Statham's favorite game on Game Piss? Hey, speaking of Microsoft <laughs> subscription service known as, how do you pronounce that, Michael? Game Game Piss. <laughs> game Piss. Uh, yeah, so um, that is obviously one of the things that we know Microsoft's probably going to bring Call of Duty to if it can close this Activision acquisition. Um, they've been facing some opposition uh where actually i think isn't it like the u.s government's gone on record like yeah we're probably going to challenge this acquisition Mm. and so microsoft's been out there kind of doing some things to set up for such a battle and one of the things they are doing uh to make it you know clear like hey this is not a monopoly or at least to to give the appearances um they signed a deal to bring Call of Duty to Nintendo systems for ten years. What? It's always been a great joke. what? Oh, which is a little little odd because there has been no Call of Duty on Switch this generation. It it was on Wii and Wii U. Yeah, uh, and it was but- terrible. Terrible. I, I'll take your word for it. I never tried Terrible. it on either of those platforms. It could be one of those streaming things like they did with RE Village where it's like the game is just a cloud version that it's it's streaming to you, maybe. Yeah. Hmm. 
I'm not really sure. But I think, you know, the reason they would do this is so that when they're challenged in court, like, hey, this is a monopoly, you're taking literally the largest gaming franchise in the industry, and you're just going to have it to yourselves. Microsoft can point to like, well, no, we've signed deals to guarantee this franchise will be on Nintendo systems for 10 years. They've, they've publicly stated several times they have plans to keep it on PlayStation platforms. And then they, um, it was weird. Gabe Newell wouldn't sign an agreement, but, but he's like, yeah, yeah, that, that thing will be on Steam for 10 years. Yeah, that'll keep coming to Steam. Like, so, so Microsoft is basically able to say, like, yeah, we're, we're giving Call of Duty to people if we can close this. I think it's a shot across the bow to Sony, who have, we wouldn't know this information if not for Sony, because they keep saying, like, uh, yeah, this is our highest selling game and Microsoft's going to take it away. And they can't come to an agreement and, when it go- goes to the courts, they're going to be able to say we we talked to Nintendo and gave them a ten year deal. What's your problem? And and Sony is the one. Yeah, they've been out there publicly. Like they're like, if Microsoft makes Call of Duty available in Game Pass, I think that the way they word it is like it gives Game Pass such an advantage that they will basically dominate the game subscription market. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I'm like, yes, yes, that's the point. That's mm-hmm. business. Like that's <laughs> why they right. would do this. I think this. Microsoft like, has said repeatedly, like. We would love to put Game Pass on Switch and PS5. They won't let us. They, yeah. they, they yeah. won't let us do that. Uh, here they are talking to Nintendo. Um, yeah, buy a $60. If you buy Call of Duty every year, you're better off buying an Xbox and Game Pass <laughs> 10 years. But I, I love that, like, so, yeah, Sony's argument is, like, this could effectively kill competition in gaming subscriptions, but it's, like, but they're not doing that through an unfair business practice. They're doing that the way we would all want yes. them to be the leader, which is like through content. It's like that's you have a much deeper catalog that you don't offer anything on, and you don't yeah. offer any first party stuff on. So yeah, like I don't know. It's it, sorry. Like we live in a capitalist society. You're not playing the game. They are. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Um, then so Microsoft. <laughs> They have they have like executives out there like making very public statements, which again normally you wouldn't want to happen unless they were kind of gearing up for this fight against the FTC or whoever's going to challenge this acquisition. Um, one of the execs though was, I don't know that this is the greatest statement to make. He basically says um, it's a, one of Microsoft's presidents compared Sony to Blockbuster Video hey! uh, in his latest defense of the acquisition, saying, yeah, Sony is about as excited about this deal as Blockbuster was about the rise of Netflix, which is like, oh, yeah, that's that's not mm. great. Uh, but, but in that statement, the same person went on to say... Um, they publicly admitted that they are like in third place. They're like, well, hey, how can we be this big monopoly as they claim we are? Like, we're in third. We're behind Sony and Nintendo in this console war or whatever, yeah, because, which is like... Because their subscription service is worthwhile and Sony's and Nintendo's are not. Period. So so the, Xbox is, is, is very much having like a self-deprecating strategy to say mm. like, hey, yeah, we're not we're not the monopoly guy. We're not even the market leader. We're far from it, right? Yeah, so. but they, they they might have enough consoles out there where people are spending what's Game Pass like fifteen bucks a month. Uh, for Ultimate, for regular version, I think it's ten yeah, or twelve. It, something like, like that. They might be making more money as a console maker than all these other people, despite being in third place. Interesting. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, because they're certainly not talking about that, but uh, yeah. This acquisition, I think I've said on the show before, this doesn't feel like a monopoly. This just feels like 
yeah, Microsoft is is trying to get as much content as they can. But like, mm. if the FTC is not going to stop Disney's acquisition of all of these huge right. franchises and content producers, like mm-hmm. they certainly shouldn't step in here because this right. feels very much like Disney buying Marvel or Star Wars. It's like and yeah, and it, just where like to be honest, where I'm at as a human being, like I bought this shit. The day it came out, and have been a subscriber ever since. It's like every time Netflix is like, "Yeah, we got this exclusive library," and like, cool. I was never unsubscribing. Yeah, right. <laughs> I was never un- unsubscribing, and Sony has has done nothing to combat that, despite a subscription model. I don't know that there's any sort of equivalent to this in you know streaming movie stuff because like Disney Plus is not accessible only on Disney TVs, for example. Whereas Game Pass, yeah, you can only get it through this box that Microsoft makes or through PCs that use Microsoft's operating system. Um, like, Or through Samsung TVs? Don't they have a Samsung streaming app now, too? Like, they, they, they've been know. pretty clear, though, that like not unlike Apple TV, you would get this on other devices. Mm-hmm. But... But that's not going to happen with Sony. No, yeah, Sony's not going to let that happen. Nintendo's not going to let that happen. But well, but that's the thing is, I think isn't Microsoft on record? They would love for that to happen. Oh, sure, yes, I'm I'm sure that uh, Google would love to open a Google Play App Store on iOS, but uh, it's probably not going to happen because it's it's all proprietary. Like, why would these companies? open the gate to their competitor when they can have their own subscription service? I I wonder this. If you were Microsoft mm-hmm. and you had your subscription app or whatever, um, and you it's like the reason Google doesn't do that is because a- Apple would take a cut and they don't want them to take a cut. But there are certainly mm-hmm. Google apps on the App Store, right? On Apple App Store. But like, it's so if you're Microsoft, apps. if you're Microsoft and you put a Game Pass app on PlayStation, would you be willing to give up a chunk of that revenue every month to PlayStation if it's growing your player base, right? Like I would hmm. be like, okay, yeah. So, so what? I have to cut Sony some percentage of this. Like, these are still people who probably only own a PS5. Now, so as long now as imagine I can get you have a giant money, catalog of stuff you could uh, yeah. charge people well, for, and, again, then, and then don't. You're not thinking of it from Sony's perspective so much because Sony makes money off of digital sales of its games. And even if Microsoft is kicking up a percentage of what they make on Game Pass to Sony in this hypothetical scenario, uh, Sony would still be losing out on revenue from the games that from are selling sales. through from its the store. Old, from yeah. the old ways. Like, yes, true. Right. And, 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 but yeah, like, this is exactly what happened in the movie industry. Sorry. Yeah, you might you might have to get some pared back version of Game Pass, which is like only the Microsoft exclusive and stuff. So, Sony is the industry platforms. leader as far as video game consoles go the idea that they ha- they haven't fought harder against game pass despite having a game pass model like it's your own fault fuck you you just deserve- <laughs> you deserve this <laughs> and so last bit of microsoft news uh you know they are now admitting they're probably something's got to give right because mm-hmm. we've kind of had a good with game pass we kind of had a good in that microsoft did not raise the prices of first party games yet this generation uh, and the first thing that did give is is they are saying now, starting in 2023, they will now start charging $70 for first-party <laughs> games instead of 60 If this generation is this year, Microsoft didn't release any first-party games. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to think if they did or not. I mean, you have, if you include Bethesda, didn't they, maybe? I don't think they did. Mm. They acquired things. But again, it's it's that, you know, it's an awful period following COVID. 
Right. Well, so yeah, the first game, and I think the biggest people are looking towards Starfield, they did confirm would be a $70 offering or part of Game Pass. So just get part Game Pass. Like, that's what they one. want. That's that's mm. that's what they want. I don't. But, you know. You got to start fighting this. And, uh, yeah. Sorry. S- something had to give eventually. Like, you know, the cost to make games is higher than ever. And then with inflation, obviously, it's like, yeah, you know, money's worth a little yeah, less. There, there, there's something about, like, Game Pass that's a little tiny bit of socialism. I trust this company. Uh, get... That's a stretch. It's, yeah, it's a, it, it is a stretch. But it is like, mm-hmm. I will. It's, it's more like worry-free from uh, I will accept, but, but, but hold on, Michael. I will accept this tax. From this mm. this console, this fifteen dollar a month tax, uh, and then I'll never have to pay for a first party exclusive again. Sony has not said that yet. Nintendo says the opposite. So, Sony has already said the opposite. Yeah. That, like no, we're not yeah. putting our new first party games. Nintendo on the has a trailer service. for Mario Party Three coming in April. Like, uh, <laughs> it's 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 there's no contest mm. here. Everyone is going to lose. Sorry, this is already going forward. I'm a little shocked that the price hasn't been raised yet, mm-hmm. but that that also means like they have. Well, I think that that's usually the second phase yes. of plans like this. Like, yes. you know, it's it's like Walmart rolling in to town and it's like, oh, we'll we'll undercut all your mom and pops. Yes, and then once they're gone, then our it, prices. It, it go means up Game a bit. Pass hasn't reached ubiquity yet. Like, uh, like people could cut it out of their lives, like I might do with PS Plus. Hmm. I think even then you'd probably just do sort of what we're now starting to do with streaming services of like, well, I won't pay for that subscription until a big release comes out. Then I'll just sign up for those months that it takes me Maybe, to play it. Maybe, but I'm fucking again. pissed. I, I think I signed up for a year of PS Plus and it's just like, you haven't added a game in months. 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 Like months. Months. Not even your first party games. And I think they renewed for the whole year. So it's like, I, I, I'm, I'm totally fucked. Well, you you can get the Mass Effect Legendary Collection, which Thank has been you. on Game Pass, which has been on Game Pass for a year. Uh, yeah, I don't know. So that because that's the one of this month's PlayStation Plus games. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Let's see uh, other things. Part of well, this okay. So this next update is not part of a subscription service. It's a free update to Mario Kart Eight. Hey. Um, it comes alongside that expansion pass, the $25 uh, track release thing, but this thing's kind of cool. Have you guys ever wanted to play a game of Mario Kart without blue shells? Mm. I thought it was an option, but, but maybe only in online modes. Yeah. So yeah, there is a new free update coming. You don't need the expansion pass that gives you item customization in races. So you can you can set all blue shells if you want. You can remove certain power-ups that you hate, like the coin drop ones or whatever. You can customize all that shit for free as you create custom races, which is literally a game changer in Mario Kart because like blue shells suck, man. It's like this fucking equalizer that ugh, I hate it. Unavoidable an unavoidable attack. I think we're all speaking on on behalf of people who are good at Mario Kart. <laughs> blue shells are my yes. I'm angry because I'm so good. Because you're in the front so all the time, good. and that's who they target. Yes, they target the person in first place. So yeah, uh, if you hate blue shells as much as we do, mm-hmm. uh, there is a free mode coming to Mario Kart Eight where you can have customizable races, which sounds like a joy. So yeah, 
I'm just going to do the bullet, that bullet power up the entire race mm-hmm. and just race as bullet. I mean, down. this day and age, nice. I only play children who have not played Mario Kart for 100 hours. So it's just like, have a blue shell. Like, yeah, blue I'm shell going only. Because that's I'm the thing. Destroy you. If you do that race and you're in the front, you can't use yeah, it. It doesn't you. go backwards. I've never seen the bullet bill power up. It doesn't apply to me. I've seen it on my kid's yeah. screen. Doesn't that's apply the only to me. time I've ever seen it. Yeah. And if you could customize it so that, yeah, only first place. Uh, racers can get the blue shell, so that like it's an it's an extra challenge mode. You fire it yes. off and it'll come Separate. around and kick how, you how in the ass. How high can you fly over the finish line? Yeah, yeah. Can you can can you make it to the finish line before it reaches you? Find out. Uh, in more DLC news, um, this is good news and bad news. So good oh, news, my favorite news of the There's... week, which is like yeah, oh. I know. I did that on purpose. <laughs> there is there is free, new free DLC for Elden yes! Ring. The bad news, it is PvP arenas. Oh! It's called the Coliseum yeah. DLC. On the other hand, when I read that, I was like, that's what those Coliseums are for. Yeah. The ones that won't yeah. open. Yeah, people people had been like hacking into those and modding mm-hmm. to get into those to check them out. And yeah, they're, they're just combat arenas. Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't have specifics yet on kind of what combat modes are on offer, but in the trailer, it showcased some like 2v2 and 3v3 they, they, they team did. stuff. They, they highlighted so. three new things I don't care about. I think there's also a free-for-all mode where everyone's fighting for themselves. Like... Mm. I don't like PvP in those games because nah, I don't I like, like getting Elden my Ring. ass handed to me every two yeah. seconds. But I'd so. rather have a boss rush mode or something. Yeah. Like also, that. also I, I did read that uh, Flame of the Red Mains has finally been nerfed. So that that's what I again? used to get through most of that game. Yeah. So I wonder if like, oh, if I go back to it, am I going to suck again? Because I can't, I can't rely on that easy uh, knockback. Whatever. Somewhere out there, Eddie Redmayne is shaking mm-hmm. his fist at a cloud. Yeah, he is. He is, and Eddie Bifrost is even fat, mm-hmm. even more pissed. <laughs> uh, but 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 like the speculation being, this is being announced a day before it's probably going to win a game award. Yeah, mm. and uh, hopefully something more substantial is coming. Because yeah, I I, th- I thought uh, I love this is my favorite game, one of my favorite games of all time, and. Um, to make it the must-have Christmas gift for any new system, announce something new, man. Do it yeah. soon. Do it soon. Even though I, I gotta believe it's a tiny percentage of players who interact with PvP in the Souls games. It's, like, it's bizarre. A, a game I spent two hundred hours in. Whenever I see PvP, I'm like, you can do. Who would do that? <laughs> you could do that. Masochists. Yeah, masochists. Every every time I tried to engage with like the Bloody Finger PvP, like. Oh, this person's just being nice and letting me get a few licks in. They're actually dozens of levels ahead of me and can kill me in two hits. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the one ending I didn't watch because it's locked behind that. Uh, you have to engage in PvP with the bloody mm-hmm. finger ending for that game. So. Yeah, well, there there is one thing like uh, if you do it, I think, five times and go back to a certain character, you can basically get access to a whole new area that like much earlier than you normally would yeah i so. my my buddy mentioned something about that it was required and then a patch took it out like you hmm. did not have to use hmm. pvp to do anything in the single player interesting but it was required hmm. initially hmm. i i michael why did i wiki part try and wiki part they they always put shit in those games to push people toward pvp and i always resist always resist. well it it, it, it's the end game they don't really have to fucking do anything with they don't have to make anything 
Although I will admit, one of the games, I want to say like Dark Souls 3, I did have quite a fun time. I turned myself like into a tree and just stood still in the in, and blended into the environment as I watched someone who invaded me just run around searching for me mm-hmm. frantically. That shit's pretty fun. Yeah. One of my favorite memories in Bloodborne was somebody jumping into my game and then uh, I found them and they were just like sitting there AFK, like next to a cliff. And so I just cu- kicked them off immediately. <laughs> and I'm like, well, that's what you get for wandering off in my game. Go, yeah. Fuck you. you. Don't go AFK when you invade another world. No, that's... what the hell? Yeah, interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. Hey, one game that won't be getting any additional DLC is Fuser, uh, the Harmonix DJ game because this it's being delisted uh as of december 19th and i'm Mm. a little bummed about this but like this is your your psa go grab this game this is a great yeah it Mm. it's a great game i play this quite a bit actually mostly just in freestyle mode because i really enjoy making mixes with like jolene and uh Nicki minaj's starships and uh we, you know, uh, Weezer's du- Buddy Holly, I think. Yeah. Uh, the la- latest Dua Lipa song. Like, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's a game, but I, I more call it just like a toy. Like, it is yeah. one of those things I'll just hop in in between stuff and just be like, I just want to fuck around and create yeah, like the dumbest mix possible. Yeah. And it's harmonics, the rock band people. So, you know, yeah. they know their shit. Yeah. The way they've implemented it, it's really clever. Um, so yeah, it's being delisted, obviously due to music licensing things. So go Ooh. buy your DLC. Like the, all the DLC is still available to purchase. So mm-hmm. go buy all that shit now. Cause as of December 19th, you will no longer be able to. And then they're removing some of the online functionality of the game, which I wonder, I didn't even think that was a thing, but I guess yeah, with oh. licensing. So you will only be able to play the, campaign and quick play modes after the 19th. You, you gotta remember like um, if you didn't buy this music you are not allowed to hear it. Yeah because there's yeah. like performance modes in that yeah. game where you can watch other people create mixes yeah, and you're that's not allowed all to hear it. disabled. And yeah. I, I, I want to be like I saw this and I'm like man that fucking sucks I'm like well this always had, had an expiration date on it. Oh yeah. But, mm, no, definitely. I guess so yeah. It, it always did. Still disappointing. And yeah. I think kind of a foolish thing that Harmonix did. Because uh, selling peripherals may not be the future of music or rhythm games. But aren't they owned by Epic now? Like, they got bought by someone where they're did okay. Did they? Right? I don't know. Hmm. I think they did get bought by somebody. I'm trying to remember who. Hmm. Anyway. Um, and last bit of news, this is mostly for Chris and I, Monster Hunter Rise hey. is coming to PlayStation and Xbox and will be on Game Pass on January 20th of next year. So it's coming soon uh, and you will get all the benefits. You'll get that 4K and that 60 frames that you are craving. That is not a available. Oh, long, yeah. long exclusivity window, by the way. Nintendo yeah, very paid long. Well, it was semi-exclusive because well, we were I think a PC it was, version. It was just true. a Switch game. <laughs> It was. <laughs> it was a Switch game, then it got PC, and the other, oh, one yeah, important thing to note, um, there will not be cross-save or cross-play, which kind of to be expected because there wasn't that between the Switch and PC versions, so, you know, just, you got to pick your version. never had that. Uh, it sucks, and I won't touch it unless it's free. <laughs> well, it, yeah, it's part of Game Pass. I, I might jump in just to check it out because... It'll look so much better. Any, on the yeah, X. any any of my friends are like, I'm gonna I'm gonna try this out because it's free. And like, all right, I'll I'll join you with my fucking naked armor. Yeah, right. Mm. 
But that game is just, it's so fun to take handheld mode on the Switch. Like, I, I think I'll just stick, stick it out on the Switch. All There's right. a lot of Sunbreak I didn't get to see, so I got to go back to that. Um, but anyway, that is all the news that is fit to play. All right. Well, let's move on to the community segment, which is always a segmenting our community. Last week's question of the week was um, basically just, uh, what did we miss, guys? Uh, saying, what is another movie game that completely ignored the plot of the movie that we didn't talk about? Uh, on VigigamePocalypse.com, Trick the TM says, uh, Super Nintendo adaptation of The Addams Family <laughs> was a relatively solid platformer that had Gomez saving the kidnapped family members from the judge he kept hitting golf balls at. Guess that worked in a game, in, in game form more than a fake Uncle Fester. Yeah, now that we know Gomez is a murderer, anybody else mm-hmm. watching Wednesday? Yeah, uh, I am. Yes, because my oldest child is obsessed with it. I yeah. mean, spoilers, they sort of tie themselves into knots to not make that the case. But uh, but he, yeah, he wants Gomez to be a definitely murdered somebody, by mm-hmm. the way. Yeah. In front of his wife to get her heart. <laughs> That's the Adams family. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I remember that. And I also remember the judge in the game was like, this gigantic, like, bewigged, monstrous guy rather than, you know, just the guy from the movie that had the golf balls hit through his window. Uh, but yeah, I think every movie of the ad, every game of the Adams family movie, uh, fucked with the plot somewhat. I think in the, the turbo duo version, you were playing as the lawyer that, who's the villain in the movie and you're trying to, like, <laughs> get the Adams family fortune to steal it from them. And like Gomez is encouraging you the whole time. You know, what game didn't fuck with the plot. That was a faithful recreation of the movie. Hmm. The pinball game Hmm. that had all the scenes from the movie and that pinball game fucking rules. It it bought the entire pinball industry. Another 10 years. Seriously. The Adams family still in the Ubisoft lunchroom. They had one of those for years. Possibly. I used to play it a lot. Yeah, I was there the other day, but I didn't pay attention. Yeah. Well, pay attention to Andrew Harbour, who says, oh, this is this answer is so near and dear to my heart. The Haunted Mansion mm-hmm. was released to coincide with the release of 2003 film of the same name. Is that the Eddie Murphy one? Yes. However, aside from some design and set pieces, it completely deviates from the film and centers itself on new lore and an abundance of ties to the actual ride. Oh, love it. It's a genuinely fun platformer wherein you collect souls and fight off various baddies and features a lot of very memorable mind bendy moments akin to Psychonauts. Hmm. Yeah, it was. I, I seem to vaguely remember it was like set in around the turn of the century, and you have like a magic lantern that gathers souls or something like that. I don't know. So what I you're saying know. is it's the first Dark Souls game. Uh-huh. I know yeah. he's talking about gathering souls. I'm like, this is nostalgia. Like, don't, <laughs> don't we shouldn't even read this. Hmm. Don't there play is the so much lore game. to those rides that is so fascinating. Yeah. Like each version of the different parks has slightly different lore. Oh, love it. Yeah. Well, I know Diana's told me that Euro Disney, the one there, apparently the scenes are in a different order, but the, the order that they're in creates a more coherent story. Well, yes. it's the story of the abandoned bride who may mm-hmm. or may not have been killed by the husband who's the sea captain who owns the mansion but the fucking and by the euro disney dude it's disneyland paris <laughs> it's euro disney it? it's like so that used to be euro disney but I like th- that ride is nuts because it ends with you going through this like fucking cowboy ghost town mm-hmm. wild west thing that that's the exit to that ride instead of the the graveyard anyway you stick it to the stupid americans <laughs> <laughs> 
I should read Daniel Walker's uh, Jurassic Park for Super Nintendo and Game Boy. At no point do you run around the island uh, burning raptor eggs. This is better than the Genesis version, he's saying. Okay. Uh, 3D sections were weird. Absolutely banging soundtrack on the Game Boy, though. Uh. Yeah, you love those mono songs. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Because uh, the Game no, Boy was mono, right? It wasn't but, even but stereo, it, was no, it? No, I mean, Game Boy had a really it, an advanced sound chip that let it do better soundtracks than, like, the NES. But uh, Raymond Carrier says, This is less one movie and more an overall franchise, Die Hard Arcade. That's Who can right. forget the classic scenes from Die Hard, like John McClane or his friend Chris picking up a rocket launcher <laughs> right. to shoot at some goons at the tower? It's definitely not Christmas until John and or his friend Chris get shot by a fire hose <laughs> from a fire truck somehow in a fifth floor parkade of this building. And who could forget the classic scene of John and Chris duking it out on top of the skyscraper for the affection of the president's daughter you were both trying to save. For real, though, the game is really cool. According to Google, it was the first 3D beat-em-up, and I remember feeding tons of quarters into it at my local movie theater's arcade. Oh, R.I.P. By the way, Clarence Gilliard Jr. of Die Hard. Uh, mm. Rest in peace, man. Passed away recently. Oh. What? He's the hacker in Die Hard. Oh, sorry, sorry. I thought you were talking about um, Agamemnon. That's not his name. I uh, think it is. Yeah, it the is? the limo driver, Agnon or Ag- yeah. I know who you're talking about. Oh, the guy who plays. You meant yeah, of course. Like half the people who are committing the crime in Die Hard should be dead, including Bruce Willis. Which apparently, yeah, he's not doing too well either. Nope. Bums me up. Uh, uh, yeah, Bruce Willis, make a video disputing this. I hear you're great at talking. Uh, does that mean? A little bit. <laughs> a little bit. A little bit. <laughs> Michael's scratching his chin. <laughs> eh, eh, not good. Uh, where are we, from Twitter? Did, like, Planet Hollywood yeah, fucking wrong you or something, dude? <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah, yeah. Nobody did me any wrong, even Bruce Willis. Uh, Gumby... Gumby X Games? That's a great mm-hmm. name. Uh, mm-hmm. Felix the Cat for NES. The game has nothing yeah. to do with the 1988 movie, which I quite There's enjoy. There's a 1988 movie? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I remember watching it on the Disney, Disney Channel as a kid. I, I think yeah, it had something to do with too. a television show that was being made. What? Could you be. Know. Could be. It, I feel like if you still stream games, Chris, this would be like one of those where like we have to play this on stream now. No, Felix it's good. The, the, the NES, NES game is good. Nice. Sure. Uh, at Nerny00 or 00, Alien 3 for Genesis, a movie <laughs> where the characters have to kill a single xenomorph with no weapons, is made into a game where an arm to the teeth Ripley kills a few hundred aliens and no less than five queens. <laughs> also, Ripley lives happily ever after, after the, after the end. That's how that movie ended, right? Mm-hmm. Get away from her, you bitch, and you bitch, and you bitch, yeah. and you bitch, and also you bitch. Also, Get away from her, you bitches. <laughs> you bitches. Uh, that would have saved time. You're right. <laughs> and controversy. <laughs> <laughs> At Pat Imbo says, Stargate for Genesis. I've seen the movie a few times, and I don't remember Rambo Kirk Russell taking an assault rifle into platforming caves to shoot up giant scarabs and spitting lizards. Uh I did a video on, uh, at some point about the Star Stargate game. That's a good game. Okay. Uh, for the, the worst franchise I can think of. I hate 
the movie Stargate, and I hate the idea that there are nine spinoff universes from Stargate. <laughs> I'm not kidding. It's I, I, I'm, I'm probably sugarcoating it. But the guy who plays Kratos was on one of those shows, wasn't he? I was going to say, maybe one of the TV shows there were spitting lizards. So I wouldn't know. That show was on for like 20 years, and I didn't yeah, see one awful. episode. Hmm. Isn't that awful? No, it's fondly remembered, isn't it? Yeah, if you, I don't know. I don't know. If, if you're a thousand pound woman who can't change the channel when Richard Dean Anderson comes on. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Yes, Stargate Atlantis. I'm making a specific reference here. Wasn't there like a Stargate show that was followed by three letters like DSG1? Bitch. Okay, thank you. God, that's why I'm thank here. You. When are we going to talk about Kevin Sorbo's Andromeda? I don't know. Whatever. <laughs> Um, all right. Well, that does it for the, the question. So new question of the week. What is your favorite remaster or remake of the year? This is your chance to tell us what we missed in the top five. Of course, again, because we're not feeling very imaginative this week. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I, I don't know. I think the ones that I really like made it in. Yeah, uh, I don't have anything. You know, live, live, live Alive. I, I'm really happy with that one. And I'm, I'm glad to put that into the list. Uh, Stanley Parable, obviously I love, but, you know, of course I continue to be just deeply, deeply impressed by what they were able to pull off with Atari 50. Uh, just from a licensing permission standpoint, the people they were able to talk to. Good job, guys. Nice. Uh, I got one little, little outside the box. Um, JoJo's Bizarre Adventure All-Star mm -hmm. Battle R was the remaster of JoJo's Bizarre Adventure All-Star Battle, which I had never played the original, but I played this new version. That is a fun-ass fighting game. I will just say that with some really cool characters. Uh, it's ridiculous. It is my first foray into the JoJo's Bizarre Adventure world, and I'm like, hell yeah, dude. Fighting game character starring a magician with a top hat. Fucking sign me oh, up, yeah. man. Mm -hmm. I, I, I guess on that note, the, the game I'm most dying to play, but not right now... Uh, Persona 5 Royal. It's a good game, man. Yeah. Good game. Uh, yeah, I mean, I love the original, but like, I, I, I don't know when I'm going to have the time to... Yeah, I want to put 80 hours into this again. Oh, 80? If you're lucky. I, I played that game before I started working for Sega. I think I dropped 150 hours into that game. Like, it's, you can... If you want to see everything, it's at least 100 hours for Persona mm -hmm. 5 Royal. Yeah. It's, uh, but worth it. It's good. It's really good. Mm -hmm. It's really good. So what is your favorite remaster or remake of the year? Let us know. Go to VigiGameApocalypse.com. Answer to the comments under episode 501. Alternately, you can go to the official Laser Time community on Facebook. There'll be a thread there where you can answer. Or ping us on Twitter at VGApocalypse, and we will read the answers on next week's show. Anyway, that's been our show. Let's go out with some plugs. Well, guys, what do you got? I'm going to plug uh, Avatar. Are you? <laughs> Just because I, I didn't do a bonus time this week. I watched that movie again on a, a larger television um, in a fan 4K version because James Cameron hasn't overseen the official version, which is in his contract. That's why there's no 4K true lies or fucking... Yeah, James Cameron's a weirdo. But he never misses. He's a weirdo who never yeah, misses. Yeah, but, but, but just watching it like... That movie makes the last 10 years of Disney-based CG in Star Wars, Marvel, and shit like The Lion King look like absolute dog shit 13 years ago. And the reviews are trickling out, and I cannot wait. I have a fucking Navi shirt that I bought as a joke <laughs> with our friend Charlie, 
in Animal Kingdom. Oh, at the theme park, yeah. We were posing in the theme park. We were, we were, we were, we had a, two, a couple drinks and decided to be Navi nuts, like we're we're the biggest Avatar fans in the universe. <laughs> uh, Navistas, we, please. That's what na- we call ourselves. Navi, we're the Navi nuts. Uh, but I watched it and like, this isn't like, this is the best movie ever made. But it's like one of the most visually interesting movies ever made, and it sort of sort of deserving of its status as a high grossing film. Everybody is wrong because you. Uh, they hate the film because uh, it's not a franchise, which is a terrible reason <laughs> if you travel back in time and talk to Jack Lemmon and Jack Nicholson to hate a film. <laughs> Why isn't there a sequel to this? Why do you think anyone hates it for not being a franchise? Because they do. Because I think that's what they're used to. It left no cultural footprint. Like The Transformers movies didn't either, but there's been seven of them. Like it, 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 that's not what this is. Like James Cameron didn't care about merchandise, and he went and directed more fucking undersea documentaries. Like that—that's what he cared about doing. Uh, mm. You're used to seeing successful things being spun off into unavoidable franchises. I say it on sick of Star Wars. I grew up loving Star Wars. I I relish the day where I didn't think about Star Wars for one day, one day, <laughs> and that has not happened in the last twenty years. I am not allowed to not think about Star Wars for one day because people allow don't it. think it's about in your contract. It's true. Avatar for one day, they think like it's a failed franchise. No one likes this movie. Like someone remastered this in 4K. <laughs> like put it on, like like you're totally wrong. This is a huge wiki page. Uh, it's just we're used to being spoon fed things on streaming services in in the form of franchisement. And James Cameron is too rich to care. And and Disney pulled up a dump truck of money, and the the reviews are good. I'm excited. It's 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 the it's the weirdest thing ever because like it's not an obscure movie. Everybody has seen it, mm-hmm. and and everybody and most people and especially kids and old people are like, yeah, I want to watch that again. Where do I watch that? Like Disney bought it. Like they have no idea. They have kids and adult like sixty year olds don't care, but like. We're in a different demographic and think this movie affected no one. We're wrong. And uh, anyway, patreon.com slash laser time. I might talk about Avatar a little more. I can't wait. I really liked rewatching that film despite, you know, it being Dances with Wolves. It's not Fern Gully, you idiots. It's Dances with Wolves. Well, chip the glasses and crack the plates. That's what Michael Raparez hates. I just want (laughs) to... I want to plug not watching The Hobbit, An Unexpected Journey, which I believe we're coming up on the 10th anniversary The next two weeks are all Lord of the Rings based. Like, having to watch (laughs) The Two Towers simultaneously with uh, Hobbit, Unexpected Journey was both illuminous and torturous. It was fucking (laughs) It was fucking crazy. Yeah, like one of the best Lord of the Rings films and then one of the worst. But it's like, it's, it's... Hang on. Here's a hot take for this show only. Mm -hmm. Avatar's way better than Hobbit Unexpected Journey. Let's not get back on Avatar. Let's continue talking about Hobbit. Yes, everything is better than Hobbit Unexpected Journey. Haven't you you, been paying attention? You might be the first person in history to compare those two. No one one compares those two. But it's a billion dollar film that fucking sucks. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, the 1970s animation is better. And than I'll the- tell yes. you why on 302010 because, like, it is like technically a really good movie. Uh, but but if you 
care about the source material or where it, where it was going or what it should have done. It's fucking stupid. It's so dumb. And uh, we'll talk about that and then uh, Two Towers. Uh, like, watching them simultaneously is amazing. Anyway, sorry. Patreon.com slash Laser Time. We Universe. Sega Star Wars. There's a new uh, 80s in-depth coming up. We're recording tomorrow. Yeah, nice. Yeah, it's, it's a good time of year, actually, if you have been on the fence about joining the Patreon. This tends to be when we put up a lot of cool extra bonus content. I, I usually force these guys to do some end-of-year shit, such as... Mm-hmm. How we arrived at our top 10 and the order we placed them in for the Goaties game of the year. I've been, that kind I've of been thing. doing this so long. JR had to point out to me when I proposed something. It's like, you, you did that already. I'm like, wow. <laughs> I yeah. forgot. Yeah. <laughs> totally forgot. Yeah. So, yeah, you can find that on patreon.com slash laser time at the $5 or more level. That's the level that gets you access to all the cool shit. Hey, look, man, we've had some major inflation and yet. We're not raising that price. It's right. still $5 a month mm-hmm. to get all the cool shit at patreon.com slash laser It's a gallon and a third of gas. It's, it's, Gosh, it's for you. It's, it's a, <laughs> In it's Florida. a, less than a gallon Hold for on. us. I know mm-hmm. this now. It's a Big Mac with extra cheese and sauce. That's what the Patreon is. Dear Lord. Yeah. Yeah. The price of burgers. Anyway, I don't know. Mm. That's a different show. Stupid app. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, as always, uh, are you guys down with the plugs? Yes. Okay. Unless you want me to talk about the McDonald's dirty twenty ten, no. Which I'd be happy to. No, I <laughs> let don't. him do it. Uh, as always, you can <laughs> visit us online at videogameapocalypse.com. Follow us on Twitter at vgapocalypse, and follow me personally on Twitter at wikiparas. W i k i p a r a z, which it will be until that hell site collapses in on itself. Be- because check this out. I just mm-hmm. heard this. Right before recording, the Matt, the McDonald's app, has a Spotify-esque year-end review. <laughs> Let, let's oh, fight. Yeah. Let's fight. I saw that. I saw someone in the LTC on, on Facebook was let's like... Let's fight, Maddie. It's Here's how many out. spiders you accidentally ate. Well, I, know, I saw someone like on the LTC, like it called them the CEO. It's like you've earned oh. like thousands of rewards points. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, yeah, technically... Technically, a landfill hasn't eaten this many McRibs. Like, what'd you do? (laughs) (laughs) Man, I really don't want to go check that out. And yet, I'm going to do that right after this show. Uh, Anyway, that has been our show. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll see you next week. Dude, what the fuck is this? I don't understand any of this. I don't fuck with this, bro. What is this?